Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another edition of the Zool 24 podcast. Uh, and as always, our podcast is sponsored by Antec Airsoft Studios. He's good with guns, bad with table saws. Whether you're trying to just make your gun look nice and pretty or make it shoot to the moon and back, head on over to Antec Airsoft Studios. If you want to reach out to him online, antecairsoftstudios.com. And also the snack bar. They serve hot food, cold food, red food, blue food, me food, and you food. And also Zulu Outdoor. It's an outdoor store, but it's indoors. So it's an indoor outdoor store located right here on Zulu 24. If you want to reach out to them, you can give them a call at 845-684-3139. Whether you just need that last minute item or you need to pick up an entire kit, they've got what you need. Head on over to ZuluOutdoor.com. And also Blue Mag Airsoft. You won't be blue when you shoot their BBs. They've got high quality BBs and they're trying to get them manufactured right here in the United States. Uh, for more information on that, head on over to BlueMagAirsoft.com. Also, don't forget, you can listen or watch this podcast on YouTube, iHeartRadio, Apple, Amazon, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify with video, and Google. Remember, always like and subscribe. It helps us out a lot. Go ahead and push those videos out there. Give it to your grandmother for next birthday. I'm sure she'll love it. I understand green rooms now. Yeah, yeah. Like isolate. separate everybody. Isolate. Because these are conversations. Because you know what's gonna happen? Jordan's gonna be like, "Okay, we're rolling." And we're like, just "Hey, some, <laughs> some dumb stuff." Hey guys, how are you? Evan, why is your hair like that? Perfect. Oh wait, that's that's, that's what we could talk about. Yeah, shut the. Uh, how about Jordan? No, Jordan, no keep going. This is the perfect short. Why are you wearing that headband? Because <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> yeah, I like it's Rhodesian. Somebody Yo, hand, tell you that? Did head, Evan tell you that? <laughs> nah. <laughs> headbands are in, man. At AMS, dude. Headbands were the... Were I, dude, I, I was wearing a headband time. last year, and everybody was like, oh, what are we wearing uh, I can appreciate a uh, a red one or just like a solid yeah, OD one, you know? I'm not going like, Evan, what, you're not Evan. Edgar, what's your favorite snowflake camo? That's a good question. Snowflake. It depends on the... Yeah, like special snowflake. Oh. I, th- I like Oscam. I can yeah. get you this headband in Oscam. Do you want that? Is it for is what? It like a bandana or is it a headband? No, it's a straight up headband. Is it also a balaclava? It absorbs sweat. Oh, I can, I can get them as balaclavas too. That would be fucking cool. I think I'll, I'll, I'd rather have a balaclava. You give me a balaclava? You want one? Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, we'll talk special stuff. <laughs> UCB Delta. I can get you at UCB Delta. Oh, you guys also, are, you know you guys my both favorite gross, part? And I hate you. I don't know my what best, that is. or not even my best. My favorite part of all this is when Dave said Jordan's just going to tell us we're recording. We've been recording for two and a half minutes. God bless. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, that's how you do it. That's how he does it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from all around the room, welcome to another edition of the Zulu Twenty Four Podcast. Tonight we have a special guest. We have the power couple of Airsoft themselves, but no, he is not from the desert, and she. Does not ride unicorns. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Evan and Rebecca. Hey, oh. That was weird. Just Becca. <laughs> it's okay, Rebecca. You'll get used to it. I call her Rebby sometimes. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> she hates not. these nicknames. Beckers. That's Ooh. fine. I like that. 
the Beckmaster. Cr- you said that so creepily. <laughs> I, like, I, like I like that. I like that. Beckers. Beckers. It's like a crunchy, <laughs> salty snack. <laughs> Beckers. Rebecca and Evan, welcome Thank you. to the show. Uh, for those who don't know, both Evan <coughs> and Becca have worked, currently work, and have worked uh, as refs at Zulu 24. So I'm sure if you've played at the field, you've seen them around. Um, Guys, first off, congratulations getting married. Well, thank you. And Thanks. staying married. Like, yeah, three years three years going so far. You know. You're getting there. Give I have a- kept the receipt, though. Yeah. I have kept the receipt. My I've- mom said no backsies, yeah. no refunds, no exchanges. Her, her mom legitimately said that to me like at our wedding. No backsies, <laughs> no refunds, no exchanges. I was like, damn it. She may have had her fingers crossed, though, so you never know. There's always a loophole. Find the right lawyer, you'll find the right loophole. Um so I gotta ask. I'll ask you individually, right? Oh, and also Ed's here. Ed, I yeah. Hey, that's where I'm at. What's I'm up? Here. What's up, Ed? Um, so let's do it. The Evan, how did you get into airsoft? It's the ubiquitous question I have to ask everybody. <clears throat> so I played paintball uh, a little bit, kind of like when I was a teenager. Actually, coincidentally, we played paintball together. Okay. And I remember I was with some friends. And they're like, hey, man, you got to try this airsoft thing. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know, man. That sounds like I, – like I had an airsoft gun growing up. Like I had a – like I don't even know who made it. It was like an M9 that used CO2, but like it barely worked. And that's what I knew about airsoft. I was like, oh, it's just janky, whatever. And I showed up to Champions one day. It was like 2016. And it was, you know, the paintball field that was with – like right below Zulu 24. Right, that was champions. Uh, cousins, cousins, cousins. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I looked like right up the driveway, and I saw a bunch of guys in tactical gear. And I was like, "What's that?" Like, that's airsoft. I was like, "That's airsoft." I sold all my paintball stuff like that weekend, and was bought it? and bought a KWA M4. What year was that? Twenty like early twenty sixteen. Oh, so we had just moved there. That was yeah. Zulu. You saw Zulu. Oh. Yeah. Well, 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 no. And the addiction started then, and I've just just been a downward. Downward spiral since. Yeah, the crippling debt creeps in. That's just oh, yeah. the way it works. Oh, yeah. And then I think you started bringing me, I would think it was um, about 2018, you started bringing me, and I was wearing his camouflage that was way too long for me. We had just the pants rolled up because I didn't have any of my own equipment, and I didn't know if I was going to like it, so we didn't want to buy me anything. Um, and showed up, borrowed gear, and had a great time. So now did you guys meet playing paintball you said before or how'd you guys meet <laughs> we met as kids at uh summer camp and we what, became what kind of summer camp it was a catholic summer camp oh, oh yeah into it we met at a catholic <laughs> it was called camp veritas and it was yep. put on by um this guy ryan young still still very good friends with him he's honestly a great guy great dude um he was a pa with my dad uh in the same practice uh physician assistant and um, he was like, he knew, we, like, we grew up Catholic. I grew up Catholic. She grew up Catholic. I went to Catholic school. She went to Catholic school. And I just went to Camp Veritas one year. I think I was, like, 14 or 15. You were and, 15. Yeah, I was 15. She was 14. And we just kind of, like, kind of met. We met, like, in the same circle, um, but didn't really get to know each other. But, like, I had a huge crush on her, and apparently she had a huge crush on me. And then, like, after the camp, it was like December later that year, we started talking. And then in March of 2011, we started dating and the rest is history. Hi, like <laughs> yeah. 13 years later, 12 years later. 
So you guys have literally known each other since you were 14. Yeah. Yeah. That is wild. Yeah. yeah. And I was... You are statistically the anomaly. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. are. We yeah, do we not were... take us as, as an example. It, don't. It doesn't work like that. At the camp. Do they, not do that. Yeah, they actually, <laughs> You will learn real fast. <laughs> they actually used us as the example at the camp because my mom was a counselor and a bunch of people from my parish um, went and... They had a meeting with all of the counselors at the beginning of camp, and we were the example of what they didn't want to happen at camp. They didn't want 14-year-olds and 16-year-olds pairing off and starting dating. They, you know, we were supposed to be there to be, you know, doing what we were supposed to be doing. And um, the next year we actually went back, we were already dating. Yeah. And so obviously my mom was a counselor, and he knew the, um, the, the owner, owner of the camp. And so everybody knew that we were a couple and they were keeping very close watch on us. Oh, I bet. Especially at a fun. Christian camp. Yeah. 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 <laughs> where are yeah. you guys going? Actually, no, it'd be like, where are you going, Evan? Yeah, a where very, are you going? A very prude Catholic <laughs> summer camp. Yeah. But like, they were probably like, I mean, like we were kids. We weren't getting like, in any trouble anyway. Well, well, we'll get into that. Oh, no. Uh, I guess you weren't some uh, fun kids, I guess. Yeah. L7 Square. <laughs> L7 Square's over here. <laughs> So uh, after your Catholic and doctor, I mean school. <laughs> no, it is. You can call it what it is. <laughs> uh, like where where did life go for there for you guys? Like were you guys together and then uh, you had school or whatever and split up, or you guys stayed together the whole time, or how that worked out? We've been together the whole time. Um, you know, we we went to separate schools. I mean, we did have like tough parts, like when he was in training and stuff like that. Um, he was afraid of a dear John letter, so he attempted to push me away, and I straight up said no. <laughs> Um, that's not gonna happen, and I kind of won. No, well, and then like, what do you want to get into it? Because no. like a month into tech school, you called me and you were like, "Hey, we're gonna break up." I was like, "I fucking told you so," and she like it, everything kept like clicked immediately. She was like, "Oh shit!" And then like it took like it took like about six months to seven months for us to, like really work things out and like really get back together. But like since then, we've been stronger than ever. Um. But like a weird thing, like going a little bit further back, like when I, like when I was in high school, um, I was a junior and she was a freshman, but in a totally different high school. Not just like in the same area; she was on the other side of the river. So like I was literally that kid was like, "No, you don't know my girlfriend. She goes to a different school." But like it was actually like I was like, "No, I swear she exists." <laughs> Prom was essentially him being like, "I told you, she's real. She's a real person. I promise." Evan just walks you around the whole place like, see? Yeah, all 782 kids that were in my class. Because I, I went to a school of 4,000 kids. I went to Arlington. Wow. Yeah. I think my graduating class was 200. Yeah. Mine was oh, like no. 120. What, yeah. what river were you on the other side of where he had 2,000? You had, what'd you say? Like 120. 120. I went to Marlboro. It's a small farm town, so there's really not a Marlboro. lot of people. You yeah. know who else is from Marlboro? <sighs> say Snooky. it. Snooky. <laughs> oh, shit. Snooky is from Marlboro. Yeah. So she was actually in my stepbrother's class, my older stepbrother's Get class. Get wrecked. Really? Yes, yeah. swear to God. She was just as, in, uh, you know, <clears throat> what Adam says pretty much is like she was like just as insufferable back then. She's grown up a lot now. Like mm-hmm. I, I heard she's actually an okay person now, like a good person, like a good Probably mom. Probably not the case. But yeah, but whatever. She's the she's the apex of society. So. <laughs> Snooky wants it's smush smush. It's not what I brag about for sure. I would. Are you kidding uh, me? Who's your Who's your famous alumni? Well, to start off, Snooky. 
She did not go to Poughkeepsie, despite nope, what she claims. She did not. She it, it, it yeah. was just the closest, biggest city. Exactly. She didn't want to say Newburgh. Yeah, yeah like nobody yeah. knows about Marlboro. And if they do, they're like, oh, you mean the cigarettes? Yep. That's where Snooki yep, came from. Yep. Snooki came from secondhand smoke. That's, that's, that's where she materialized as a person. <laughs> Tobacco plantations. Yep, we're going to cancel for making some fun of uh, making fun of Snooki right now. Who cares? She she doesn't know we exist, bro. <laughs> she's not one of the four hundred that watch this. I I actually heard that she's like she's she's in a couple of different businesses and she's just raking in cash. Oh yeah, she hasn't done well. anything. Good for her. For though, years, like, whatever. Get your bags. It's like it's like the like she's done well for herself. Kind of the dream. It's just like oh, I did a thing. Now I got a ton of money, and it just kind of makes me more money. Yeah, she's yeah. done really well for herself. But you know, that's more power to her. Why are we talking about Snooki right I now? I don't know. You brought you brought you it up. You brought it up. This. So I guess getting back to it. So um, <clears throat> yeah. So I went to basic training in. 2014 in June of 2014 got home because like my school is super long it was like a year I got home in May of 2015 um and then you know we were still dating I went to college but I went to college local yeah. wait 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 you guys are fast forward here there's one there's one question I'd like oh no it's one question I know I'd where like this is going to ask you guys before you get into your military careers and your college stuff if oh, my boy. parents or my family listens to this just like yeah. mute it. you right have now. to I, I don't know what this means right so it's just a term and i'm gonna throw it out here <laughs> don't you dare no can i ask a question first what is what is soaking <laughs> all right can i explain this please Becca, don't you do this to me. I didn't do it. He did. All right. Don't so, you do Soaking is this. How, how, how much time are we at right now? Just so I know, like, we can actually. Like, yeah, you can do it. You're fine. I okay, don't know cool. if I want you to explain this. No, I can explain it really well. So, soaking <laughs> is the mental gymnastics that Christian kids and couples that will throw themselves through so that they can think in the eyes of God they're not sinning and not actually having sex. So, it's pretty much when you. Do you want me to use like real legitimate no. terms? Get after it. Son. Awesome. It's when you actually penetrate your girlfriend, like you are inside of her and you just kind of sit there and you just let it quote unquote soak. All right. And there's no friction, no movement, no humping. It's an, it's, it's the mental gymnastics that young Christian kids play. And then, uh, and then when you realize, wow, that's fucking stupid. God really doesn't give a shit about, about what we do. Oof. Then, then you're like, all right, let's just actually, let's just actually fuck at this point. Whatever. Like, you know, actually, you know, it's really funny. This is kind of ironic. <laughs> My mom got us a sign to put above our bed, and it's still there to this day. It says, no longer living in sin. She got that for us for our <laughs> she wedding. She got that for us for our wedding. So, <laughs> wait, 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 real quick. There's also a second term Can called we... jump pumping, oh. where <laughs> you have a friend jump on the bed for you. I'm, I'm not saying that happened to us. It did not. And it didn't. But uh, it happens in Mormon schools across the country right now. Bro, you oh. imagine that conversation. You're like, hey, man, can you do me a solid? Like my girls come over tonight. I just can you can you jump on the bed for me? Like and then and then what's that guy's point of view? Dave, I'm <laughs> not kidding. Awful. Look at me. It's more often the girl asks her girlfriends to do it. Interesting. I've I actually like do, like I do I fall through like weird rabbit holes yeah. all the time, and I'll sit there and read about stuff until like two in the morning when she's asleep next to me. And I'm just like doom scrolling through my phone, and I like went through down this rabbit hole about soaking and jump pumping, and I'm like, oh my god, and it's like. Mormon Christian kids or like like Christian college kids do that all the time. All the time. You send your kids to a Christian college and you think, oh, no, they're not going to get 
Soaking and jump bumping, yeah. baby. I believe it. I believe it. Because, like, I feel like you you talk to a hormonal teenage boy, right? And and then you know they're soaking. Then they they just think like, how bad is hell? (laughs) How bad is it? If Earth is this good, Mm, because this this feels right. (laughs) Fire and brimstone, baby. But boy, does it burn so good. Oh my. (laughs) Goodness. So moving along. You asked. Well, hold on. Hey, you did that. Oh, boy. I'm just kidding. What was your question going to be? Uh, I was just going to just delay this. <laughs> so I was going to ask how your indoctrination camp was. Honestly, it was fun. We had to go to church every day, but other than that, it was like a normal summer camp. We did all kinds of activities and stuff like that. Yeah, so we, we had a of, good time. A it's of, good. That's all right. A bunch of jump rope, huh? Or really? yeah. <laughs> jump, jump, no, jump, actually, jump so like they, they practice. The boys they and the girls that were stamina. separated. Like the dorms were uh, on, on complete uh, opposite sides of yeah. the camp, and oh, there was sure. always a, an adult chaperone with everybody at all times, yeah. pretty much. Did anybody ever try to like sneak across? Oh, yeah, all the time. Oh, but yeah. like they get, they get in a lot of trouble. It seems like it'd be fun though. Ooh. Like, like once the you know, yeah, like oh, there's girls over there. But it, it, like to me at that age, because I was like, like a really immature, fifteen year old or fourteen year old. Fun. Yeah, fun. I'd have been like, man, this would be. Fun. It'd be like a uh, what's that jailbreak? Yeah. Like I like I envision like searchlights and stuff, and you're like low crawling underneath the searchlights and like. Well, I mean. What was it? Uh, like at nighttime when there was like common area, uh, like free time, like between like eight and nine or whatever. Like I remember like once or twice we went behind the like the climbing tower and would make out when we were like really like. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Ooh, the dirt's coming out. Uh-oh. Why, why are you the looking dirt at this? I'm not coming out. Uh-oh. Yes, it was. Someone's uncomfortable. Well, they were going really strong for 14 years. But I don't know about after this. <laughs> yeah, one. sorry, right. I kept the receipt. <laughs> um, no, it was the tree. Was it the tree? Oh, yeah. You forgot Details. your magic makeout spot. Details man. wrong. No, everyone. 13 years. It was. It was right. That was the makeout tree. Um, Evan's got. He's got excuses. He's got trauma. You know, he's got some brain injuries. That that plane, right? Well, let's talk about your military career, there, military oh, man. Oh, jeez. All right. So actually, <laughs> here I'll. I'll I'll start this off with this. I brought something for the podcast today. Oh, cool. It's, what is uh, it? My Squadron's Challenge Coin. It's got a beer opener on it. Yeah, buddy, because uh, AMC stands for Alcoholics Moving Cargo. Not kidding. Actually, it stands for Airlift uh, Major Command, but... Um, I like the yeah, first so, one. Yeah, airlift, uh, yeah, Alcoholics Moving Cargo, baby. Um, yeah, so it's got multicam on one side with our three patches, like the Squadron patches and the wing patch, and then on the other side is a C-17, which is the aircraft that I fly on, going over the... New York City skyline with uh, the World Trade Centers still there because oh, right we lost from our base. We lost people and like, yeah, Stewart's like a Stewart. So I I met Stewart Air National Guard base and uh, we lost um, a defender down there in the you know while he was doing the rescue effort. So uh, yeah, so we still have that. It's a big part of the heritage of our base. But yeah, so Hudson Valley haulers. I'm gonna leave this challenge yeah. right here. Hell yeah, man! Boom. My contribution. So, all right. So, military career. All right. Um, real quick, real quick, just for those listening, right? You, yep. You're based at a Stewart International, which is like a mile as the crow flies from Zulu. So, if you're ever playing at Zulu and looking up in the air and you see that big old fat airplane, it might be me. That would be him. That would yeah, be right, him. Yeah. And so, you're a you're a crew chief, right? Loadmaster. Loadmaster. Sorry. So, um, yeah. So crew chiefs turn wrenches. I break stuff that make them turn wrenches. Okay. So, okay. Um, so yeah. So uh, yeah. So I joined in. I you know enlisted in 2013, went to basic in 2014, 
got back in 2015 and I've been flying ever since. Um, so I've been flying for pretty much straight for almost eight years. Uh, my job pretty much entails is like I, on the C-17, I'm the, in charge of all, all supervision of all loading and offloading of cargo, as well as monitoring in-flight systems and, you know, whatever. What does that really mean? So when a tank comes on, I'm the guy that tells them where to put it. And I basically tell the plane the weight and balance of itself. And I put it into a computer and then it tells the plane how to fly. And it helps the pilots actually fly the plane. Because if it's off, we'll either go right off the end of the runway or, you know, take off and just... Like I'm sure everybody's seen the video of the 747 crashing at Bagram, right? No. All right. <laughs> Google it. It is a insane video, and they show it to all of us in basic load school. It's pretty much so. Basically, there was an Atlas Air 747 uh, taking off out of Bagram in 2011 or 2012, I think, and pretty much there is loaded with a bunch of broken MRAPs, and they tied them all down with straps. MRAPs are like twenty five to 30,000 pounds, and the straps are weighted for 5,000 pounds. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is what happens when you have a civilian you know, who's not trained in this. Basically, like it's somebody driving. It's a dash cam. You see a 747 take off off the runway, and it hovers in midair. And here's this, like one of the largest aircraft on the planet hovering in midair, and then it starts to do this. Ugh. And you can see at the last second, if you look close enough, the pilot tries to put the landing gear down and just and just crashes and from the investigation pretty much a mrap broke free and just it was a domino effect it was and it oh. basically flew all the weight went right to the tail uh. and the like there was nothing that, that could happen but pretty much that's what happens when you don't you do your job right so um i imagine uh the crew didn't fare oh so. no no yeah no yeah vaporized um, but yeah, so they showed us that in load school. They're like, this is what happens to you if you don't do your job correctly. So we're like, oh, okay. Um, and you're on the plane too. So it's yeah. like, yeah. It it's like, I, I'm not the guy to just tie stuff down and says, all right, guys, have a safe flight. No, I fly on that thing. So yeah, I make sure that I'm like, cause it's my life on the line. It's their life on the line. Also, if we have passengers too. So, um, yeah. So, but in short, really, I get paid to fly around the world and drink for a living and it's pretty great. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just make sure uh, everything's tied down. You got all the numbers right, and then uh, once that once the plane takes off, you're just like, "Plump, I'm just hanging." So out. seriously, we have a saying. It's called "wheels up, heels up." Uh, ah, there so, you go. So like the there second those wheels come off the ground, I break out like, and we hit uh, like we could do like I have to take off climb checks to check stuff, and then like once the pilot's like, "All right, man, we're like at cruise." I'm like, "All right, cool, see." You. And I hit isolation, and I isolate the whole cargo box to myself, and I just plug my my phone into my headset and just sit there and watch Netflix or he's dancing around whatever. like Tom Cruise. And yeah. <laughs> Don't lie. You're watching, and, uh, you're watching anime. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I watch a ton of anime. Come on. I'm a huge weed. We all know this. He's converted me. Oh yeah. <laughs> or ruined me. However you want to look at it. Both. Um, but yeah, no. So, uh, yeah, so I've done that and it, at first it was kind of weird on our relationship because like it was flying around the world in like different time zones. It's very it's something that you ha really have to get used to. And I'm sure like, you know, you being from military background, like going on deployment, especially when you went, you old dinosaur in like 2004 or five and six, <laughs> like, I, cause like my dad deployed in 05 as well. And like, it was weird. Like I could send him an email, like maybe like once a week. Oh, oh yeah. There was not, I don't know how the access was after that. Right. Because I got out. Uh, but there was a thing called an MWR mm -hmm. on the fobs when they finally built the fobs. Right. And it was like, there were lines out the door because all the pogues on base, um, I think we called them fobbits back then. <laughs> um, 
all the pogues on base would stand in line. We'd come back in once every once in a while uh, and then try to go use the internet. You had to use calling cards. Like it was ridiculous. The whole system was ridiculous. Meanwhile, now I can send my wife a Snapchat. Well, not anymore because we left that place. Uh, but like when I was in Bagram, I would send her a Snapchat. Be like, haha, the Sea Wiz is going off. Like, and like it's a boom in the background. Super fun messages to get to. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, no, so, uh, so flying a lot. So like pretty much, uh, you know, my, my stopping ground was mostly Europe and like Ramstein, Germany. I spent a lot of time there. It's a huge like base for us over there. So, um, you know, so we get these things called crew rests and, uh, we'll, uh, you know, you get like 36 hours off at a time and, you know, you, you, you get time to like go to the bar, you know, explore a little bit. It's fun. Um, and then, you know, of course we do go down range to like, you know, Iraq, uh, I've like, you know, back in the day, Afghanistan, you know, Kuwait, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, those like, you know, the, the normal boring, uh, trips, but then there's also like some really good deal stuff, like going to Scotland, uh, going to Hawaii and like staying, get, being paid to stay in the outrigger in Waikiki and drink Mai Tais all day. Hawaii's, Man, it's the Hawaii's hard, dope. Dude, it's, it's the hardest job in the world, but somebody's got to do it. I always found it kind of funny, like when we do the Zulu ref schedule or something, <clears throat> you're like, oh, I can't, I'm going to Afghanistan for that weekend. And then the next time it's like, oh, I'm going to uh, Ireland or Scotland or that weekend. It's like every other weekend, you're just like, yeah, I got to go to uh, the UAE. For like three days or Africa or whatever, like, like what and just hang hell? out. Yeah, it's 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 a fun job, and I had a lot of fun when I was younger. But like now, I'm getting older, older, and I'm I know I'm I'm only 28. I'm maybe 29 this year, but it's like I just so I just spent the past like two months, basically April and May, flying a ton. It's like these special orders that we go on. It's like it's like a weird deployment for us. It's not really a deployment, but it's what we have as a deployment. Yeah, and where you just get tasked to fly whatever comes down. So like I flew a bunch of presidential stuff. Yeah. So I moved a lot of Secret Service stuff around um that was cool but like man it's like it's just starting to get to me i'm like man just like the constant like up and go it's like yeah it sounds fun but it's fun for like a young person it's great because like you have like you're up for like 26 hours you go upstairs to your room you shower you take a dump and then you go right back downstairs and then you're out partying drinking until three in the morning go back and you have to fly an aircraft you know down to the, the desert the next day and you're like yeah this is great I'm 29, I'm 28 now, and I get back. I'm like, guys, I'm, I'm gonna go to bed. I'm not going. I, I'll have one beer in the lobby, but I'm going to bed. That's like, <laughs> like, like in the military, uh, time is skewed, and so is age, right? So 28 to like civilians is that's a young man, but in the military, 28 might as well be 58. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. I say I'm 29, going on 40. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about Becca a little bit. Sorry. You're all fine. You're fine. So what did you do after uh, indoctrination camp? Um, so I started college. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so I started college kind of just bumming around, taking a bunch of courses. Um, I ended up picking chemistry. Um, so actually when I finished college, well, I, I had all kinds of random odd jobs throughout college. I was an uh, umpire for softball. I Worked at a pizzeria. I drove a jet fuel truck at an airport for a while. Um, <laughs> the snowplowing with your dad. I did. I was a uh, commercial snowplow driver for a couple years with my dad. Um, so like all kinds of random jobs, whatever I could get my hands on, um, just to put me through school, get gas in the car. Um, and then after gra- or after I finished college, I actually started um, in my industry. So I'm a cosmetic chemist. 
So I work in a laboratory and I make all kinds of makeup, um, shampoo, body wash, all that kind of stuff, lotion. Um, and I love it. Um, that's my day job. And then on the side, I actually just graduated from uh, cosmetology school for nails. Congratulations. So, thank you. Yeah. So I have my nail license now. Um, so I'm working on getting my little side business going for myself. Awesome. And now what, um, so in terms of your side business, what do you want to do with that? Um, I actually really want to do events and things like that. Um, traveling. I do love my day job, so I really don't plan on giving that up anytime soon. Um, I'm just looking for something on my own, a little bit more control and to have that creative outlet. Um, and now you're talking about traveling, like, uh, for instance, this is just me thinking off the top of my head. Uh, if, if there's a wedding and the bridesmaids chip a nail or whatever like that, uh, you're right there on site and you can handle it, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely something that I've already done. I was at my cousin's wedding and uh, I flew to Florida for it. And I always bring my emergency repair kit with me because I do most of my family's nails. And knowing, especially at weddings and big events like that, a lot of people wear nails and extended nails that don't normally. And if you're not used to wearing long nails, you're much more likely to have a break. And sure enough, the bride's sister had a break an hour before the ceremony, and I was in the bridal suite fixing her nail right go. before the ceremony, and no one knew. She was really in the trenches there. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, we went to Disney. I did the same thing in Disney. Um, yeah, I always have my stuff with me. She brings much. an emergency nail kit everywhere she goes. It literally says emergency nail kit on it, and it's like this iridescent sparkly bag. I do. Um, it's, it's definitely my passion. It's actually kind of how I got into the cosmetic industry. Um, cause I wanted to be involved with that. And then once I got into industry, I learned that there's a lot more to it than you realize. And nail polish is more difficult to produce, um, just because it's considered a flammable substance, whereas like lipstick is not flammable. So you, the regulations and the production requirements are uh, a lot different. Sure. And now you said you work in a lab, right? Yeah. And uh, just for everybody at home, because they might be thinking this, right? Like you don't test on monkeys. Like th you don't have like monkeys in the back. You're just like, come here, boo-boo. Let's try out this lipstick. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I've worked at two different um, companies and I work for a contract manufacturer. So we manufacture for a ton of brands. Um, and neither lab has ever had any animals or anything like that. Actually, I am the test animal in my arm here. Um, I am so pale Anytime we're doing a color or anything like that, that needs to be matched. Um, I am the guinea pig because my arm is like a white piece of paper. So you'll see me all the time. I just have stains all over my arm, like testing lipsticks and stuff all the time. Everybody stopped asking now. Like, it's not a bruise. It's not a weird reaction. It's just stains. So, so she came home one time with a, uh, with like this test eyeshadow or whatever, and it was green. Oh, eyeliner. Or eyeliner, excuse me. It lasted for two weeks. Yeah, it didn't come off. Um, it was really good. I um, cannot <laughs> say um, who it was for or anything like that because I have NDA signed. Um, but so professional. Yeah, yeah oh. well, you know, my job is – it's important. And I, I know it doesn't seem it to most guys probably, but, um, you know, our clients require us to have yeah, so confidentiality. I Exactly. For everybody's formulas and whatnot. I imagine mm -hmm. there's a lot of that going on, like yeah. a little secrecy between. And now, uh, did you experience it in your lab where it was like com competing companies coming to you guys to get their formulas right? Or was it always just the same company? And if you say the name of the company, we won't tell anybody. 
Um, I cannot do that, but, um, (laughs) I've worked for a ton of different companies, um, all across the board, you know, bigger companies, more indie companies, um, very well-known companies. Um, it really depends. And just because I've worked with them doesn't necessarily mean we're their sole manufacturer. Um, there's a lot of manufacturers out there. Um, but yeah, I've worked with a ton of different companies. Cool. Yeah. And now you guys, you guys ever worked together at Zulu? We have. Actually. Yeah, we have. What I mean, okay, I know everybody's thinking this. How is it to wake up in the morning, drive to work together, work all day together, and then drive? Like, there's got to be some conflict there. Let's hear about. It. Let's hear the juice. So for us, um, we're actually a little codependent. So for us, it works. We've been together for so long that we've kind of fused into a little bit of one person. Um, and they actually tease us all the time at the field that like, if we ever, God forbid, were to get divorced, we would have to keep living together because we wouldn't be able to handle it. Um, (laughs) I believe that was Sean who said that. Yeah. There's, I I hate it, but it's, (laughs) I mean, here, you know, it's the the reality of things. It's like, we've like, like she said, we've become so codependent that like we wake up in the morning, we drive to work, we work all day, we go home. It's like, all right, what do you want for dinner? Oh, let's have this. And then like, we, we'll sit down watch TV together and then go to bed. It's like, I know that sounds boring, but it's like, I couldn't imagine doing it with anybody else kind of thing. Like, like I hope when aliens come down or if they come down or when they come down, they don't use you guys as like, <laughs> like if they're making a nature documentary about humans, they're going to be like, and this is the standard couple. <laughs> no, please do not use this as an example. They, they mate for life. <laughs> And are adjoined at the hip. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> kind of bad. I mean, I'm sure you got like uh, like you know going camping with the boys or MSW or whatever we want to call it. Yeah. Uh, like I'll be like I'll be like, hey guys, oh, I gotta text my wife and like Evan, get the fuck off your phone. <laughs> I'm like, no, I gotta make sure she knows I'm okay. We're was, like we're like playing Arma, right? Yeah. And I don't know. You're supposed to get. I'll just. I don't remember the time, but maybe you're supposed to get home at eleven. I can't. Oh, remember. ten. Ten o'clock. Oh, I right? remember that day. Ten o one goes by. Guys, my wife's not home yet. <laughs> Evan. It was like ten oh seven. Oh oh seven. Sorry. <laughs> we lived we two minutes away from the school that I was going to, yeah. and so the first the day you're talking about, it, um, so I got out of class at ten, and I would normally get home by like ten oh five, and I had never stayed late before, but it was like further far long enough in the course that I had like started making friends, yeah. and we had stayed after one day, and we were just chatting. And my phone was dead. And so I didn't text him that I was going to be late because my phone was dead. And I didn't realize what time it was. We're chitty chatting. And it was about 11 o'clock. Somebody had said like, oh, I should probably get home. And I was like, oh, what time is it? She was like, oh, it's like 11. I was like, I'm surprised my husband has not shown up here guns blazing looking for me, worried that I had been taken by who God knows what in Newburgh. So, yeah. So caveat, we live in Newburgistan, which is like (laughs) one of the crime capitals of America. It still is. I think it's like number five or six. Good it just got you. back on the list. It's yeah, yeah good for us. In New York. God bless. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's rough. Yeah, it's rough it's out there. Dude. Top it, ten, baby. T- yeah, t- yeah. Yeah. So like, dude, seriously, like Newburgistan. Like, what was it? Um, ten years ago, it was like the Newburgh Five and the Newburgh Seven. They they almost bought an RPG to shoot down a C five. That makes sense. Yeah. The, yeah. It was. Yeah. So, anyways, um, he was a little worried. Um. So yeah. So I'm like, I'm playing Arma. It's like ten oh seven. I'm like, oh, Beck's not home yet. And then like ten fourteen. I'm like. Guys, this is my wife and I home yet. They're like, so let's go raid this this uh this outpost. I'm like, okay. And so like, you know, we're playing. I'm like, 1030. I'm like, I have to go get my wife. I have to go get my wife wife my wife right now. I, guys, I'll be back. I threw my headset off. I no, threw, you called my mom first, actually. Yeah. So I called her mom. She hadn't heard from her. And so then I was like, guys, I have to go. 
And so I take my headset off and I mean, I put my shoes on, I grab and I grab a, cause I have a concealed carry permit, I put it, grab a gun and put it in my waistband and I'm walking out the door and here's her truck pulling in. And I'm like, I was so angry. He was so mad. <laughs> so he angry. Was I, was so angry. He just, I was like, I feel like a fool. <laughs> like I, I was like, man, should I give it like a minute before I get back on? No, I'll be right back on the headset. I'm like, guys, my wife's home. I'm fine. <laughs> they just relented. They're like, I had like just pulled in and he just like threw his arms up and I could see the anger on his face. I like hop out of the truck, get my kit. I was like, I'm so sorry. My phone was dead. We were chatting. Once I realized the time it was, I came home and he straight up sent me to bed. Like, I almost like I was a child who was grounded. He was like, I understand, but I need to calm down. So just go upstairs and just let me calm down so I don't take this out on you because I was very scared. And I was like, okay. I go upstairs and I'm texting my friends like, hey, I'm good. LOL. I literally caught him in the driveway on his way to come look for me because I knew, like, I yeah. knew it. And they were like, they were the ones who, like, told me, they were like, oh, my God, you straight up got sent to bed like a teenager. And I was like, I did. And then Evan murdered so many AI in Arma. Dude, he that just game took him to town. Dude, that game has me by the ball. <laughs> I love Arma. Oh my god! And now it's like now that she's out of school, like that's why I was able to play so much and so late because like she was in school. Now that she's out of school, now she's gonna want to hang out with me and spend time with me. So it's oh, like, the horror! I know. It's like oh, now no. I can't play video games with the boys anymore. You still can. That's what they always say. That's a bait. That's it trap. is. It's bait. It's trap. It's trap. It's a honey trap, really. You have been for years. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, Evan, uh, you also have a day job, right? Because you're in the reserve. Yeah. So, um, so I was at, like, so I was active for like eight years, and then the fall of Kabul happened, and that was a good old time. Uh, hashtag Kabul kayaking. Right, right in my shirt right now. Um, and uh, I got back from that, and they were pretty much like, all right, guys, uh, thanks for playing. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Uh, you're now a traditional guardsman again. And I was like, oh. I was a sugar mama for a bit. Shit, yeah. She was a sugar mama for like maybe two, three months. And then like I worked an odd job at an airport, like fueling the airplanes. the one that I worked at in Yeah, college. the one that she worked at, coincidentally, because my, my best friend is the manager there. Excuse me. So and, uh, I, 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 you said it real fast and kind of like fleetingly. Yeah. The fall of Kabul. Yeah. The the capital of Afghanistan. Yeah. Do we the, want to get into that? The yeah. entire yeah. country. That's a, that's a great story. You saw okay. everybody story? saw the pictures. Everybody saw the videos. Everybody saw that. Cra- it was it was our Vietnam. Yeah. It was our pullout of all of that crap, and you were there. Yeah, all right. So, real quick, real quick. So, my day job is I work for IBM now. Anyways, we'll get back to that later. But, um, yeah, so, all right. So, at the time, I was on orders, and, uh, like, the two other trips or three other trips that I had done um, before that were just, like, easy stuff, dude. It was, like, I went to Hawaii for one. I did, like, a Jordan, like, a Djibouti mission. It was easy. And then, so, basically, it was it was August 12th <laughs> of 2021, and our mission originally was to, we were supposed to go and party in Bogota with the DEA in Colombia and do stuff for them and like hang out for like four days and then come home. It was going to be great. I was like, I've never been to South America before. This is going to be awesome. And uh, the night before, so it was Thursday, August 12th, the night before, they're like, hey guys, uh, JK, you're not going to uh, Bogota anymore. Uh, you're heading east and we can't tell you where. Uh, pack your shit. Be ready to leave in 12 hours, which is like, does not happen for us for a guard unit. It just doesn't happen. Um, and uh, 
what was it? So we were like, okay. So in the group chat with the rest of my guys, like with my crew, so it was a crew of, uh, hold on, crew of seven. So it's, it was uh, Cat McGee. He was the aircraft commander. I'd follow that guy in hell itself. Um, Cat McGee and then Lieutenant Colonel Tyrant. Those are th- uh, the three pilots. And then it was Tech Sergeant um, and Staff Sergeant. Um, oh, my God. Really good guy. Myself. And then Tech Sergeant. He was our flying crew chief. So he's the guy who, like, fixes our plane on the road if it's broken. So we're on the group chat. We're like, guys, like, what the hell's going on? And uh, Geo founded originally. He's like, hey guys, I think something's going on in Afghanistan. We're like, huh? Weird. I thought we were, I thought that place was fine. I thought we were pulling out because like I was in Bagram, excuse me, like a couple months prior, and it was totally normal. We we're like, yeah, we're just gonna be pulling out soon. Really easy. Like, all right, yeah, whatever. And then so we get to the base the next day. They're like, yeah, we have no idea what's going on. Head uh, head down to Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Get the 160th Soar, which is uh, like Special Operations Aviation Regiment. They fly like super spooky Seeker Squirrel helicopters. Um, pick up a Chinook, which was awesome. Um, Chinooks are huge and we can fit one of them inside of our jet, but it's like completely broken down and that takes about three hours to upload. Keep that in your head. So, and it's like, so when you offload it, it takes 13 hours to rebuild it completely to flying status. So I'm sorry. Every, That's pretty dope. Yeah. Hey, uh, Speaking of Chinooks, uh, the the Chinook in our field is that to scale a little bit, maybe a little bit smaller? Do you know? You, it you is. Know to, it's pretty to scale. It's five feet short, <laughs> only because when I drew it, I drew it to scale, and I just miscounted. Ah, uh, right. well, it's pretty close. Five feet's not. It's that pretty big. close. It's, yeah, five it's pretty feet short. damn close. It's pretty close. It's a good um, reference, though. No, yeah, it is. It's it, a great reference. Good reference. Um, so. We fly out of Fort Campbell, go to Ramstein, land, stay the night. And we show up the next day, go to the intel, and they're like, hey, we have no idea what's going on. Uh, like, apparently the Taliban is doing something weird in, like, one of, like, the northern provinces. But you guys would be, you guys would be fine. They're like, you're going to Kuwait. You're not going to Bagram. You're going to go to Kuwait and come home. Totally fine. Yeah. And so we go out to the uh, go out to the jet, and about five minutes before takeoff, I'll never forget this, a couple things happen. One, this guy in chinos and a gator shirt comes on the jet, and he's like, everyone needs to go upstairs right now. We're like, okay. So we go upstairs, close the door to the upstairs in the cockpit. Um, and he's like, hey, you guys are going to Bagram now. And we're like, oh, sweet, cool. Like, no, you guys are going to Kabul. We're like, oh, sweet, cool. Um, and he's like, yeah, we have no idea what's going on, but good luck. And we're like, okay. Uh, so we're flying. We go to Al-Udeed. We air divert over Iraq into Al-Udeed. Land. It's 145 degrees with 45 mile an hour winds outside. It felt like a convection oven standing outside. It was awful. Oh, yeah. Um, this intel officer chick comes on the jet who one of the pilots knew. Um, so they said hi, and then she's like, everyone needs to go upstairs. Like, okay. And I'm not kidding verbatim. The first thing she says to us pretty much is like, well, guys, shit's fucked. Good luck. Oh. Yeah. So we're like, Which, we cannot guarantee your safety if you take off out of here. Have fun. We're like, wow, all right. Okay. Um, so like, because dude, like the rest of my military career was like, oh yeah, like you can wear body armor if you want. Like, whatever. Like we get guns. Like we, like we carry two M9s. Those things go in the safe and stay there the entire mission. I can count on my hands, my two hands, the amount of times I've actually armed up on that C-17. That just happened one of the times. Anyways, um, so we... Uh, I've never really felt unsafe for you. Yeah. Like, in the very beginning, it took some adjusting, getting used to being you being on the road and kind of being on my own. Um, but that was really the first time that, on the home front, it was, like, 
scary because you didn't know what was happening. So therefore, I had no idea either. I was just sitting and waiting. And even when I did know what was happening, I couldn't tell her. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, "Hun, just let no, I'm okay. I can't tell you where I am. Can't tell you what I'm doing. Okay, bye. Click. And that never happened. Yeah. Um, so we took off out of Valley fly to Bagram. So we'd fly to the Piffer, which is pretty much like this thing through Pakistan up through. And I've d- we've done it a thousand times. Um, you know, and uh, it's weird because like you're talking the whole time, like through to people, to, you know, or to the different bases, you know, flying over Kandahar. You're, you're talking to Kandahar. And like, dude, flying over Kandahar, like flying through that Piffer, it was dead silent. There was nobody in the air or on the radios. And it was eerie we kept like maybe like hey this is reach a24 at this level this whatever Pfft, nothing so we uh we get to about maybe 20 miles outside of Kabul and like tune into their radios and it's just total pandemonium and this is august 14th this is that saturday um because pretty much the taliban had gotten to the outskirts of the city they had taken over the entire country had fallen in a day jesus yeah so, um, pretty much cause like all the ANA guys that like we'd been training for the last like 20 years, pretty much like the, like the Homer Simpsons meme of he, they just went into the bushes as ANA and came <laughs> back out as Taliban. It was awesome. Um, and, uh, so we get to about 20 miles out and like, we were hearing just the total pandemonium. It was like, there was civilian airliners cutting C-17s off on the runway. Air traffic control had just ran away. They're gone. Um, everybody who could was trying to scramble onto, um, onto uh civilian airliners and yeah it was just insane and then when we heard hey our reports of rpgs at the end of the room at the end of the runway we were like fuck this we we, we basically did like a like a slow like kind of not like an overpass but like we got kind of close and we're like no we're not landing there tonight this is this is impossible we will die if we land and uh so we turned around and we were of, of course ninety thousand pounds heavier than we thought we were going to be on the return because we didn't drop off the chinook of the people um, cause we had 23 door kickers in the back, like special forces dudes. And, um, so we couldn't make it to LED. We had to land in Aldafra, um, which is in the UAE and they weren't happy to see us, but we didn't care. So the next, so that night we found out that, um, what's it called? And that night we found out about the, uh, what was it? Um, that like the C-17 that carried 824 people out of there. Yeah. Like they crammed 800. It was the most people airlifted in history on a single aircraft and it was cause they were standing room only like packed like sardines. Cause they just stuffed as many as they could into the C-17 and they flew to, uh, Ali deed. Um, all those guys got, uh, DFCs. Um, distinguished flying cross. Thanks. So, uh, what was it? So we land in Aldafra, you know, whatever talking and like the special forces dudes are talking to the guys that did happen to land. Cause there was one C-17 ahead of us who actually did make it in before the airfield fell. And they were like, dude, we are in a bunker right now. Because it was like World War Z level of human bodies crashed over the Chinook that was offloaded. Oh, man. They were like, as in a weird freak miracle, they took nothing. Everything was as it, like they like the wrench that he had put down was still there. He was like, it was as if they crashed over us, but like, like it never happened. So um, they were just desperate to get out. Yeah, they were just te- desperate to get out. They didn't want to take anything. In fact, they were dropping stuff where they could. Pure panic. Yeah. yeah. Just Pure pandemonium. Can't imagine. So we we alert the next day to go to go back and try a second time. Uh, we go to the skiff, which is like this secret squirrel thing, and we were watching like on drone footage, pretty much, um, like the people falling off the C seventeen, like that moment. Um, we watched it happen like live, pretty much. It was awful. 
that came up on the news later. Yeah, it was on the news later. And then, so we, uh, so Colonel Tapp, who was, uh, he was a U-2 pilot back in the day, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, he had been deployed to Aldafra at one point and knew the, um, the KC-10 squadron that was there. And he was like, hey guys, like, what's the odds of us getting a tanker if we need air refueling? Excuse me, sorry. Um, air refueling. They're like, slim to none. You guys are not going to, because they didn't know what we had. They thought we were just like an MTC-17 going to get bodies out. Um, they didn't know we were full of, you know, special, like the helicopter that would res- that would go on to rescue another 900 people. Yeah. So, um, what was it? Uh, so they, we go to the C-17, fuel up. We have a fuel incident, which for the most part would have canned us, but we just kept pushing. Um, and we had to work in 15 minute shifts outside refueling because it was 120 degrees like 99% humid. Yeah, it was awful. Oh, and you were only outside for fi- inside the jet it was 95 degrees, but that was cooler than 120. Sure. So we were we'd like we'd be like 15 minutes outside, 30 minutes inside. 15 minutes outside, 30 minutes inside. So it was it was 120 90 humidity where? In Aldafra. Okay. In the UAE. Okay. Um so we load up, we take off and it's supposed to be a, just a 2-hour flight from Aldafra to Kabul. And we get to this outskirts of Kabul in about two hours and we asked to land and they pretty much, and there was like this Marine controller on the ground with a radio. He's like, dude, you don't have clearance to like, I can't clear you to clear you to land. Cause we're still clearing bodies off the runway. Right. So we were like, okay. So, um, so we're basically, you know, in a pattern, in a holding pattern and we sit there for hours and it gets to the point where pretty much they were like, we were like, guys, we are at bingo fuel. If you, if we cannot land in the next 10 minutes, we have to turn around. Like, okay, stand by. We give them 15 and they come back. It's like, sorry, reach 824, return to base. And we were like, damn, like we just so let down. And so we're crossing over and the two load ma- the two of the load masters were kind of uh, like asleep at that point. Uh, they were just kind of racking out for a little bit. And then one of the, and so it was just me and two of pilots on radios and I was kind of listening through. And out of the darkness over Pakistan, we hear reach 824, this is Mojo 89. Is anybody out there? And I click on, I'm like, this is breach eight two four. Go go Mojo eight nine. He's like, hey, heard you guys need some gas. And we're like, what? And then the pilots click on. They're like, oh my god, you know what? So um, pretty much we looked up and there's a KC ten like right there. Oh nice. And they fa- it was I'm, at this point we're eight hours into this flight. Yeah. Okay. And it's pitch blackout. We took off in the day. Now it's night. And Cat Mc- so the only qualified pilot on the jet was Cat McNeil. He was the aircraft commander. The two other pilots. They were only co-pilot qualified. They couldn't air refuel yeah. and hadn't done it in a while. So air refueling is like one of those things where you don't do that operationally. It's very, very rare. We were like the first one to do it in 10 years or something like that, like out of Stewart. Um, we do air, like air refueling training all the time, but that's two days of preparation for like an hour of a plug and then like go home. Um, but like, dude, like he was like, I need a minute. He can't, he comes downstairs. I was like, cheese you got this buddy like i believe in you and, and he was like thanks man he goes upstairs and he hits the plug like right like immediately and we take a hundred thousand pounds of gas and they carried us all the way back up to Kabul. disconnect we reconnect and he takes another thirty thousand. we empty that kc10 they fly away we find out there's two more kc10s there waiting for us because now they figure out what we have on board yeah and they're like you need to land irregardless of whatever is going on, you need to land and get that stuff off. So they clear us to land. And when I tell you it looked like it was, it was just so wild. It was like 
because pretty much so, that, so there's no control. We have every light on that we could possibly have on on the outside of the jet just so nobody hits us. Yeah. So we lit up like a Christmas tree over a war-torn city. Of course, so like people start shooting at us, and unbeknownst to us, but we took a dish around to the um to the wing. We took actual <laughs> combat damage, like the first C seventeen to take combat damage in a hot minute. Um, and an RPG went off our right wing, and like the inside of the jet looked like an EDM show because of the amount of lasers that they were just lasing into us. Um, I basically told everybody like, put your heads down, you know. Do not look outside. Just keep it. I look outside for like a second. It's just tracers. It looked like, like it was like every like video game I've ever played with of like D Day, yeah. like all the tracers. Like oh my god. So um, and uh, we hit the landing. No real issue. We're taxiing, and so at this point we're doing what's called an ERO, which is engine running offload, where you have the engines running, um, but it's to get in and out. So the two other loadmasters are unhooking all the chains, leaving like you know one forward one aft. Uh, and um you missed the part where you came face to face with the tower. I'm, I'm getting i'm getting there i'm getting there <laughs> jesus um so we're taxiing and i'm looking outside the two of the masters are i'm on headset the two uh, the, the three pilots are on headset and uh literally it's like cheese is taxiing around and it looked like the apocalypse had happened it was just the taxi away was full of clothes and shoes and furniture and he's he was just taxiing slow and methodical to not suck anything up into the engines and then out in the distance, he sees uh, headlights because we we knew that there was going to be people waiting for us. But when we landed, there was a jammer, a radio jammer, so we couldn't talk to our ramp until we got closer. Yeah. So um, what was it? Uh, as we get closer to these headlights, I hear, I forget, was it or was it that was like, I don't think that's our guys. Oh, God. And we look, and it's Taliban, full, like, basically Hiluxes and technicals filled with taliban and they start circling our jet like vultures <laughs> oh, and i'll never forget this for as long as i live because i look out the troop door and uh because there's like this little window there and i look out and i see this kid and i say kid because like at the time i was 26 he was he was probably maybe the same age or maybe younger and he looked just like me and he was like you know in the man dress and had uh, a like a multi-cam plate carrier holding an m4 with the um the Afghan hat, I forget what it's called. The Packle. The Packle. Yeah. And he looks at me, I look at him, he looks at me, I look at him, and he kind of picks up his hand, and I'm like, and I kind of wave back. And then like we get the they basically it unbeknownst to us, in the eight hours that we've been flying, there had been a handshake agreement that the Taliban would control the south side of the runway and the US would control the north side, and they would just pretty much keep out the rabble uh until we got, you know, whatever. Until we were done with the pullout. So they taxi, they basically escorted us over to the U.S. side. We taxi in, we park, and like so, pretty much like we had a bunch of army guys, but all of their stuff was buried because like we had no idea we were going to be engaging the enemy upon arrival. Yeah. So right. they were only able to get to six M4s, no body armor, no helmets, and only six magazines. Yep. Yep. Time to, time to go to work, so boys. Do the Holy the shit. the major who is in control, uh, or the like the major who is the OIC of the of the guys. He was the first one off that jet. We, I lowered the, I, I had my gun. I lowered the ramp, and he like jumps off the ramp and immediately takes a defensive posture along with this, the the five other guys. And out of like the darkness, pretty much like these guys with NVGs come out, like Ranger tabs and shit. And they're like, "Hey guys, we're waiting for you." And then I turn the lights on on the outside, and there's we're surrounded by MRAPs. I'm like, "Oh my god, thank you, thank you, Jesus." So uh, <laughs> the next hour or so was a blur. And I still to this day can't tell you how we did it. But remember how I said it took three hours to upload that thing? Yeah. 
We offloaded that in 40 minutes. Jesus. The entire thing off, like gone. The, the jet was clean in 40 minutes and which is un, unprecedented. And uh, apparently, I don't know, maybe we broke a record or something. I don't know. Um, but pretty much uh, this, if you watch the, the escape from Kabul documentary, one of the Marine colonels that's on there, uh, the, the guy with the white hair, he came on our jet and he's like, outstanding work guys how you doing how many refugees can you take we're like we can take as many as you want and then he's like where's your ravens so ravens are a specialty uh like fireworks fireworks. um ravens are like a specialty uh job it's part of it's like a subsection of security forces where they're specially trained to be um the security forces of a jet like protectors of a jet like an air marshal yeah exactly like an air marshal um we didn't have any so he was like, oh, you guys can't take any. So we're like, damn. So um, ultimately, we ended up leaving empty. And we flew back to LUD, and we felt like rock stars. And uh, long story short, pretty much we like bounced around the system for like another week because we really wanted to keep going. They wanted to send us home. Go back to Charleston, sit in Charleston for a couple of days, and then we get the go-ahead to go back. So we, took, we flew to Scotland, got to Kuwait, had to reset up a squadron because that squadron had just closed because we, we were done in Afghanistan. Why do we need the squadron in Kuwait anyway? And Ali Asalim. Yeah, no, we had to, re, we basically had to have C five guys rebuild it from the ground up to make a C 17 squadron there. Um, and, uh, we started flying again and we did two more runs in. We did one run where we went in and at that point it was like, it was like a week and a half later and like our experience, we were able to pass on to other air crew and it kind of like set the benchmark for like what the procedure was to get in and out. Yeah. Um, and so we, uh, we went in one more time, uh, the second time got refugees, we took 348, um, and, uh, a lot of women, a lot of kids, the youngest person on our jet was 14 days old. Ugh. So, um, yeah, so we took them out. Jeez. Yeah. At least you didn't have to deliver night. a baby like a lot of the crews yeah. did. So a like a couple days when you landed initially. Yeah. So, I mean, dude, it yeah. was it was wild because like so they started putting uh Navy corpsmen on C17s because too many women had given birth on C17s. And like <laughs> could you imagine like Johnny Airman like 18-year-old like loadmaster fresh out of load school like how do I do this? So like you yeah. just catch. You yeah, just catch. Just catch. <laughs> yeah. So um <laughs> it's like some like the pasty face guy like me like golly gee like how do i clip the umbilical? yeah so um so they put navy corman on, on board figure to help with that huh you figure it out yeah you'll figure it out um was it one of those babies they named reach like like as like the call sign which is awesome yeah um anyway so it took 348 out got back to net at this point we're on day 14 and we're exhausted because we've been going like you know 24 hour days 13 hours off 24 hour day 13 hours off we're exhausted we're like Guys, we got to go home. So we air crew has this thing called safety of flight. That if we call safety of flight, that is the like a buzzword. That as soon as we say that, it's like you're done. Go home. Like it, the air force has to basically put you on the next flight home. You, it is if I go on that jet and have to fly like an actual mission, I'm either going to break something or kill somebody. Yeah. So it's it's, it's like an exhaustion card. So um, they basically alert us at one a.m. And uh, we go and we're like, guys, like we're done. And they're like, no, you're going to get the 13 that were just killed. Yeah. And we were like, what? Because like we kind of saw some reports about a bomb going off and we didn't really know what happened because like we basically went to bed and like they hadn't come out with the official number yet because we knew some guys got killed, but we had no idea. And then like we found out from them like, yeah, 13 people just got killed. You're going to get them. You're the first available crew. And we're like, okay. So like 
we all just said, yep, uh-huh, 100% sure. Yep, let's do this. So we all kind of like split off for a minute, went and like did our separate things. Like I called my dad because like I know he was in it. He was a combat medic in Iraq in 05, you know. I mean, Dave, you know, it's like, so, I mean, he, he's seen some stuff. And so I, he was like, what do you mean you were supposed to come home? I was like, dad, and I told him what I was doing. And he was like, okay, good luck. Stay safe, return with honor and hung up on me. I was like, okay, thanks dad. <laughs> um, and, uh, what was it? Uh, I go back inside and the two of the load masters were talking to the, uh, the Intel guy who briefed us. We're like, so like now we're like trying to disassociate ourselves. We're like, okay, so like, what's the state of like the, like what's you know, like how they have transfer cases, which is like this pressurized container that they put a body in, um, with a flag draped over it. So you actually have something to tie it down. They're like, yeah, no, they're in body bags. Uh, here's a box of American flags to put on them. And we're like, how do, okay, so let me just ask you, how do you tie down a bag of mush? I don't mean to sound crass, but I mean, these guys just got blown up. Yeah. I now have to think, how am I going to secure this so it's not crazy? So, well, uh, also trying to treat them with honor. And exactly. Respect. You know, like, how do I treat them with honor and respect? How do I not let the flag touch the ground the whole nine yards? So, um, so we start like brainstorming, like, how are we going to do this? Um, so we get to the jet. Uh, these two Ravens come on board and these guys look haggard and we find out why it's because they'd been flying for 24 hours straight. Yeah. Like had not had it. Like they, they just flew three missions in and out um, and had not had a chance to even rest yet. And what I mean, like we had a relatively easy refugee load. Like we landed in Kuwait, offloaded all 348 refugees within 10 minutes of landing. There are some C-17s that were landing with 600 guys like 600 refugees in Al-Udid that then sat on the ground for six hours in the heat of Al-Udid, Qatar, waiting to get clearance to open up the jet. Ugh. They were just that under, overrun. D- just, it was there. So the metric is for Al-Udid that did, that did the brunt of the refugee loads was they had 45 C-17 or 40 or 45 C-17s with crews, but the capability to support three. Oh, shit. So, like, you had C-17s, like I said, sitting on the runway for, like, eight, nine hours. Like, engines flaming out because they ran out of fuel because they were just burning them just to keep air conditioning going through. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so a lot of really harrowing tales that came from that. I was, we were relatively lucky in terms of, like, our refugees were were easy. We only had 348 of them. Came to find out after the fact that they were all, like, CIA assets, which is why they were probably treated a little bit better. But, um, (laughs) yeah. So, uh what was it? Um, yeah. So we go out to the jet and the Ravens come on they're like, Hey guys, like where's the corpsman? And they're like, we don't, we're not getting corpsman. Did they not tell you what you're doing? And they're like, no. And so we tell them like, Hey, we're going to the 13 that were just killed. And they were like, the what? And we had to tell them the news and they both pretty much looked at us. They were like, we need a minute. So they went to the back, they had their minute. They came back they're like, okay, can we sleep please? We're like a hundred percent, two bunks upstairs. They're both yours. So they slept upstairs. Uh, well, one guy slept upstairs. One guy slept in a, uh, on the seats downstairs. We, um, and I'll never forget this, that, like a weird moment. Um, we're about to start engines and G uh, is like on his phone, like looking through the news. And he's like, you know, man, the really fucked up part is like in about a week, nobody's even going to fucking know the name Afghanistan. Yeah. And I said to him in a really corny way, I was like, yeah, but we'll never forget. Oh, and then my. like, I, I know, dude, yeah. I swear to God, it's, it's a burn moment in my brain. I'm like, man, I'm such a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm yeah. self-aware. Anyways, um, so yeah, so like, and it, but he was right. He, like in a weird way, he was right. Like, like you walk up to people like, yeah, I was like, it was involved in the Cobb evacuation. The what? Yeah, it's exactly. like, oh, you mean like the biggest fucking fiasco that our country's dealt with? And 
did. Since Vietnam? No, yeah, nobody is nobody talked about the the evacuation in Vietnam for yeah. decades. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. So they didn't talk about it. They didn't want people yeah. to talk about it. Yeah, it was yeah. dude it was wild. So I mean, did it was did you see that there was a helicopter that was involved in the Vietnam evacuation was also involved in the Kabul evacuation. That's insane. They 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 pinned the tail number. Yeah. They, there's a picture of a of a Chinook in Vietnam airlifting people off of a roof. The exact same Chinook, or maybe it wasn't a Chinook, but it was a, it was a double um, rotor. It's like a CH46 probe. Or yeah, probably. Yeah. All right, that same exact tail number. All right, picking people up off of rooftops in Kabul. They then left <laughs> it there. Yeah, I, I think I heard. So that yeah. Part. So uh, getting back to it real quick, just I, I'm almost at the, I'm almost done. So. Um, so I'll let other people talk. So it's not just the Edmund podcast. I'm Mike sorry. Hog. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm a Mike Hogg. I apologize. <laughs> Do it. So, um, so yeah. So we take off, fly the three hours to Kabul, land, and we we'd gotten cargo like stuff like you know food, a concertina wire, ammo. Um, so we land, we offload the cargo, and then we back in, and we're doing an an ERO, and like dude, like I wish I could show like the pictures because the pictures just I, I can't like explain. So like we back up and. Sure enough, they tell us like, "Hey, they're in, they're in uh, transfer cases." And we're like, "Oh, thank!" Like we all kind of like had like me and the three guys like breathe a sigh of relief just like for ourselves, like in our own sanity, because I don't think I would have been able to handle that. Um, and I, I, I know that makes me sound like a bitch, but I mean, dude, it's like I don't know how you could do that. But anyways, um, certainly never and so forget. we, huh? You'd certainly never forget. Oh yeah, and I mean, like you, you'd figure it out, but yeah. So we open the door and we look out and we see lines of Marines and like there's a a, a procession of marines like a wall all the way up to the um our ramp and uh and uh, you know like operators and dudes in civilian clothes like with balaclavas on the whole nine and um and then like we see beyond the fence like sets of marines and i realize those are the pallbearers and they're all in full kit and it's you know sets of six so and sure as shit, we did a full dignified transfer. It yeah. was not like a like okay, let's go. No, it was we were there for like three hours. Yeah, and we did a full you know one at a time. Bring them in, put them down, say your goodbyes, and we were like saluting the whole nine, whole dignified transfer. And they shut this airport down in the middle of a war zone for three hours. That's crazy. No jet was landing. No jet was taking off. Wow. And there was not a sound to be heard except our engines going. So we load them up. Um. Yes, yeah, so we load them up and uh, we start tying them down. Another thing I'll never forget is like one of the flags. Uh, one of the guys had written, um, "Never below you, never above you, always beside you." Love boys with like the three one three or something like that. Um, and we were like, "Oh my god!" Like we were just like, "I can't look at this right now." <laughs> like I just got to focus on my job. So um, we tie them down uh, as best we could. Close up. We load the um, the, the escorts, and uh, which one of the escorts we found out was like I think the the company commander. And he, like, nine of those guys belonged to him. Oof. And he was one of the escorts. Yeah, dude. Fucking rough. So um, we uh, we close up, and we go to taxi out, and I have this picture, because I was sitting uh, Lackham, which is left additional crew member. It's the seat right behind the pilot. Um, so I'm sitting Lackham. She's the sitting uh, pilot, because uh, he had to be there for every takeoff and landing, which is, the dude's an animal. He's, like I said, I'd follow that guy to hell itself. So, um, like, he's, like, a fucking hero, dude. So, I look out to my left, and these four Marines had, like, as we were taxiing by, they took their helmets off and got on a knee in front of us as we taxied by. I was like, holy shit. And Cheese was like, dude, if I look to my left right now, I will not be able to take off this jet. 
He's like, just take a picture and show me later. I was like, yes, sir. So I took a video of us taking out, like, you know, took a picture. And as we were taxiing out, I took a video of us taking off and flying out as like a last goodbye to Kabul. And as a last goodbye to me, uh, as <laughs> you can hear it at the end of the video, you hear a whoa, whoa, whoa. Somebody shot a fucking missile at us Ugh. as we were taking, like, as we were like on climb out. And we had to pop flares and hit the clown nose and do maneuvers and shit with fucking 13 bodies in the back and uh or hrs and it was yeah that was it was like it was like man just fuck me right like like wow so we fly to kuwait do a dignified transfer offload they put them into um into you know storage uh we go to bed wake up the next morning thinking that we were going to take them home and it turns out that overnight they'd flown in an active duty crew in a fresh active duty jet to uh because we hadn't had our jet since we got to charleston we've been taking other jets yeah, through the system, and somehow our jet ended up back in Kuwait with us. We were to get on that one and be the escort home. We were not the ones to take them all the way to Dover. Yeah, because they wanted a fresh-eyed, you know, bush, you know, fresh-faced uh, active duty crew to offload these guys. They didn't want the guys who'd been flying for sixteen days and seen some terrible things and be like, "Yeah, that's who we want the president to stand next to." But anyway, so we fly to uh, Ramstein, low. Uh, land get fuel they land right after us and they were like okay guys we, we went over to the active duty crew like all right guys you're gonna take off out of here we're like yeah Just fly a little slow so we can overtake you land first and get home because if you land first we're stuck in dover for another day and if i have to spend another day in this jet i'm gonna kill myself <laughs> so they're like okay and becca straight up she was like i remember she, she called me she was like i will drive to dover and get you like i do not care so i was over it at that point it had yeah, been a lot it had been a lot so and just a lot of uncertainty and like trying at at home trying to pretend that nothing was going on and not having any answers and having to get up and go to work and get my job done and exist really sucked um yeah so we uh flew out, took off out of there overtook them landed in dover also to the dude the dudes that we had because we took some dudes out of ramstein home um and uh yeah flew home and at the end of it it was like 16 days 184 hours of flying that's just in the air 184 hours um a chinook 26 door kickers 384 refugees and 13 hrs with three runs into Kabul. it's a good time man and out of that, uh, my whole crew we got medals and stuff, I guess. Uh, the Cheese, the most deserving one, he got the DFC with Valor, which is like one of 46. What's the DFC? So the DFC is Distinguished Flying Cross. It's like the fifth or sixth highest medal you can get. Okay. Um, it's the highest medal that you can get as an aviator without getting like the Medal of Honor. So, um, so he got the DFC, but with Valor, and he's one of 46 people ever to get it coincidentally his dad has one. Oh. his dad was an f-16 pilot in the gulf war shit yeah and his dad is the dfc with valor too so the rest of us we um they didn't excuse me we didn't qualify for the dfc so um they we we got air medals which is the, like one step below but we got an air medal with valor so um it's like a very specific and unique case um but yeah so they had a whole you know procedure for that and but basically pretty much after i got home um like i said they said like hey guys sorry you know we ran out of money because the war is over and can't afford to keep you anymore so uh go find a civilian job We're like, okay uh so i struggled for a little bit and then you know just graciously one of my friends who works at ibm got me a job at ibm and they're like hey so you're a veteran right I'm like yeah and they're like okay cool and then uh the award ceremony came up and i was asked to invite uh people from ibm 
And so I was like, okay, my manager couldn't come, but my second line manager could. Yeah. He was like the next highest guy. Um, you know, shout out to Chief. He's a great guy. And then my engineer, Heather, who's a best friend from high school, and she got me the job. She was also able to come. And they had kind of had an idea that I was in the military, like kind of, but like they had no idea like what I'd done. So pretty much they came to this award ceremony. We had a whole award ceremony, whole nine yards. It was really cool. Um, they told the whole story. Too. They told the whole story, you know, whatever. And at the end of it, like chief, he was kind of sitting there. He was like, who the hell did we just hire? <laughs> like, he was like, I'm shaking hands with senators right now because of this kid. Like what is good? So he told IBM when he got back and they're like, you need to keep this kid for as long as possible. He's a very good guy. I was like, okay, cool. Thanks chief. Um, so yeah, so that, that's pretty much that story. I'm sorry, I'm a mic hog. I will push it away now so I can stop talking. All hail hero Evan. Don't you dare. All Everybody sits there was like, oh, you're a war hero. I'm like, go oh, fuck yourself. Like, I, like the 13 Jeff. HRs that I brought home were war heroes. Dude. Well, what, what's you crazy is, speaking of 13 HRs, right, is that, um, this is like a weird segue, is that, you know, somebody else that plays at Zulu was on the ground. Yeah. So, uh, Eric, we should have Eric on, actually. Several uh, people, actually. Bobby? Uh, was Bobby on the ground? Yeah, Bobby was so, there. He was so at Northgate. Bo- okay, so Bobby and and Eric were both on the ground while you were in the air, and this weird thing of airsoft has brought everybody <laughs> together. I mean, it, I'm not saying it's better than that story, but I'm just saying it's it's a wild, it's so, a small world. So weird. Yeah. So two weird events have happened because of that, and I'm, I'll get to Eric. Eric is my second event. My one event is I went and visited a friend in D.C. like a, a month after it happens, like September 23rd. Um, and on my way home, I took Route One through and 301 through Maryland, and I keep seeing these people on the left on the southbound lane, like with American flags and everything. I'm like, what the hell's going on? So I passed this crossroads, and something inside was like, you need to turn around right now. I was like, okay. So I turn around, I park, and I walk over. I was like, hey, like who died? They're like, oh, it's Staff Sergeant Hoover. He was one of the 13 that was killed at Kabul. And I was like, it hit me like a freight train. I didn't say who I was. Didn't say, talk to anybody. I was like, okay, cool. Can I get a flag? They're like, yeah, sure. Sure enough, 60 seconds later, if I was late by 60 seconds, I would have met it, but missed it. But 60 seconds later, sure, sure shit, they were taking him from Dover to Arlington. They'd finally gotten approval to bury him in Arlington. And uh, I sat there, and there goes his casket. I salute him for a third time. And he goes on, and I get back in my car and drive home. And then about two weeks later, I'm at Zulu, and I'm putting my stuff up, put my stuff on in my car, and this kid walks over to me. He's like, hey, man, my name's Eric. I'm like, hi, Eric. My name is Evan. He's like, Dave told me to come over and talk to you. I was like, yeah, okay. Dave's my boss. Sure, what's up? He's like, he said you were at Kabul. I was like, yes, I was. He's like, I was also at Kabul. I was like, oh, cool. He's like, you brought my squad mate home. I was like, what? He's like, my squad mate was Nicole Gee, who's one of the 13 that was killed. And I literally collapsed into my car. I'm like, what are the fucking odds, man? Yeah, man, small world. Dude, incredibly small world. Then Bobby was there. And then at the anniversary, was it last year? Or Yeah, it was anniversary of 2022 there was a kid that came and somehow we got onto that topic and he was like oh yeah i was military police at kabul at during the evacuation too dude i've met three people now at zulu who are all at kabul with me yeah that's insane we should have all the kabul boys on <laughs> dude Holy me bobby yeah. yeah dude because eric and bobby's uh stories are, are way more crazy than mine because they were actually on the ground dealing with the refugees and those dudes need therapy man like the shit that they saw <laughs> like the stories that i've read of like women throwing babies over concertina wire just to get them out of the hands of the taliban oh, is God. insane yeah that's terrible it was a wild time for sure and even just on the home front um <clears throat> so i was at actually a, a different company than i am now um and i actually worked with um 
uh, Afghani immigrants who are, you know, U.S. Citizens, um, citizens now, and they escaped when the Taliban took over the first time. Yeah. And um, one of my coworkers at the time, her aunt went over to help her, bro- um, her brother. His wife had passed, and she was helping him get up back up on his own two feet and take care of the babies and everything. And um, she was trapped over there. And so my coworker and I, who literally our desks were directly next to each other, like we were just operating as best as we could, not knowing what was happening to our yeah. loved ones or anything. Um, and my boss was amazing to me at the time. Um, Miriam, she was great. She took me aside one day. I had brought a pro- an, an issue to her and basically I just put it on her desk and walked away. Cause if I opened my mouth, I was not going to be okay. It was the <laughs> day that the, um, people were falling off of the C-17s uh. on the news and I had no contact with Evan before that. I didn't know if that was his jet. Yeah. I didn't know if that's what he was dealing with or if that's what was happening on the news, how bad it really was. I actually ended up going, I was. I saw it on the news on my way to work in a deli getting breakfast. And I sat in my truck for a good 20 minutes just re-watching the clip to try to get a glimpse of the tail to see if it was a Stuart jet. And it wasn't. So that mostly calmed me down a little bit. And... So my boss like took me aside and she was like, what's wrong? I was like, I don't know what's going on. All I know is he's over there somewhere. I don't know what's happening and I'm just doing the best that I can. And she was like, okay, whatever you need to do, you do that. Um, she was very understanding and my coworker, her aunt got out as well. Um, oh, good. Yeah. So it was, it was, a, it was a scary time, even just at home. And like with his job, that's not really something that I have to deal with often, not knowing where he is or what's going on or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, nine times out of ten, it's a selfie of me drinking a Mai Tai on the beach. You're like, yeah. oh, fuck you. Like, like yeah. bragging that he's, you know, like in Hawaii or at the top of the world at a bar. Like, you know. This... Greenland's a good time. <laughs> Greenland's a really good time. Get some highs, you get some lows. Yeah. yeah buddy. It so. usually evens out. Um, but it was it was a crazy time for sure. Yeah. Well, on that note, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll get into you and your nails and such. Oh, that would be a great time. Yeah. Please. All right. A little happier. Yeah, right. <sighs> and we are back after a short break and after uh, the tales, the heroic tales of Evan <laughs> and uh, his heroic deeds. Yeah, my escapades. His escapades and his, his mic hogging, but... Yeah. Uh, so in all reality, man, you're a hero and you should be proud of what you did. Uh, thanks. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, real quick plug for Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, I did get featured, or me and my whole crew got featured in Coffee or Die magazine. Uh, you can look it up. It was, uh, it was like Escape from Kabul, like the C-17 crew that kicked off the Kabul airlift or something like that. Um, yeah. It's pretty neat. Shout Good. out to Black Rifle Coffee Company. I've been drinking you guys for years and I love it. So thanks. <laughs> appreciate it. Good Jeez. stuff. Good stuff. He's more and, famous. You know, he's more famous than me. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I mean, it's it's good because like putting this stuff down uh, on like almost a literal record. It's like it's good. It's good for everybody. It like, is sweet. Like because um, I mean, even with your story and 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 your story, um, that's something your kids one day can literally just Google or look up or, or blink with their right eye because we all have implants or something. And they can look up and be like, that's what dad and mom were like when they were cool. Like, oh. I mean, I didn't do anything. I was just sitting waiting well, to yeah. hear what was happening. Being a dependent of it, you know. Oh. oh. Absolutely not. <laughs> I have my own job and my own life. Thank Dip you. Dip and I... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Who makes more money? I can't oh. uh, I, 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 right I, now, him again. I do. For now. 
Got it. The patriarchy strikes again. I don't know. Somebody's got a chemistry degree and somebody just, you know, ties, lucked out. Ties yeah. down lucked out, has, has, has an engineering experience. Like, oh, wow. Almost like experiences with more than a piece of paper. Uh, that's a no that no that's a soapbox of mine i i think yep. that we have a huge education inflation in this country it, no yeah that's a societal it. problem and i'm not gonna get it i mean i don't it. disagree with you on that i just more jealous than anything can I you just work- cover your ears for two seconds she's 1000 percent smarter than me <laughs> don't don't ever let like me i'm i'm an idiot i'm a <laughs> She's way smarter than me. We know. We got to bleep yeah. that out. Thanks, Evan. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, really? We can't say the R word? Oh, I'm sorry. I had to bleep that with Bob, too. Oh, really? Oh, And damn. it was the name of a foundation. <laughs> oh, the, the, the advancement for people? Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. I can't say that word anymore? Damn. That's no. it. It's canceled. I can't yeah. say that word. What if oh. we are? You will be. You're, you're canceled. <sighs> I thought Bob would be grandfathered in. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> but um, But um, chi. I was great. Anyway, <laughs> Becca. Love Bob. Now that uh, your windbag husband is done. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hogging the airwaves. Let's make fun of him. Let's make fun of Let's talk about your nail endeavors. So you're, you're starting a business, started a business, have a business, was a business? We're getting off the ground. Um, so I just graduated uh, from beauty school with my nail license. So now I have the capacity to... Um, actually do that. I will be starting an LLC shortly. Um, I have to take the official state board. I graduated with a temporary license. Yeah. So once the exam is over, then that will be the next step is actually officially um, registering as a business. Um, so I've been doing nails for about eight years just mm-hmm. for funsies and, you know, friends and family and things like that on myself. Um, you know, whoever's willing. Um, <laughs> we. Um, I really was just tired of the treatment that you get in the salon. I know you guys probably don't have much experience with this, but, you know, your wives, girlfriends at home. um, A lot of times salons are not following the laws in terms of sanitation. Um, And it's really gross. um, And there's just not enough manpower to regulate all of that. Um, and then also they just like, they manhandle you, like they will tear you up and they do not care at a lot of salons that I've been to. And I was just tired. I was like, this is supposed to be a luxury service. I'm supposed to enjoy this. It's supposed to be relaxing and like me time. And like, you're like wincing because they're like literally cutting you and it hurts. Um, and I was like, there's gotta be a better way. Yeah. So I decided to do it myself. Um, what are you calling it? So, um, my name is Dragon Claws. So Wait, I what? Dragon Claws. Your name is Dragon Claws. For my business, yes. Oh, I thought that's it was her like fursona. I, thought it was, I was gonna say, but that was like her. Absolutely not. <laughs> the that business would be a scary, name, actually. The business name is Dragon Claws. Yeah, the business okay. name is Dragon Dragon Claws with a Z. Um, so I specialize in all things glittery and also um, also nerdy stuff. And so I was sitting there trying to come up with like a name, and most fandoms like i was like what is kind of universal across the board that would make sense to every fandom and pretty much everybody has a dragon and knows what a dragon is and it also kind of relates to the glitter portion of it because dragons are hoarders of shiny things and i am also a hoarder of shiny things if you've seen my guest room you would know um it is airsoft and nail polish and glitter it's a weird combo. It's a real dichotomy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I really, I enjoy, I want to, you know, 
I want to make available to the market things that you can't get at a traditional walk-in salon mm-hmm. in terms of art as well as in terms of service. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of. And so what are you doing here in the near future? So I actually, we've talked about the fact that I'm going to be traveling and stuff like that. Um, I've decided that as a ref, like at the field, I've noticed a lot of times, especially at events or when there's birthday parties and things like that, there's a lot of times where like wives, moms, girlfriends are either like bringing guys to the field, dropping them off, sitting there waiting for them. And they've really got nothing to do. So actually our our next op, I'm going to be setting up um, shop and offering manicures if anybody is there and bored, if you want to bring along your wives, moms, girlfriends, whoever, your sister, doesn't matter. Um, Or the players themselves can get them. You're more than welcome to. If you'd like a manicure, I can do camouflage. Um, (laughs) I've done it before. Um, And, you know, just have a good time set up, you know, if anybody's there and bored and wants a little pamper. And what's the average cost of... For instance, uh, Katrina wants to come while, you know, we're doing our thing. What's the average cost for, for her to sit down and get a... So it's entirely dependent on what you get. Um, so like a basic gel polish manicure is like $30. Um, art would go up from there. Um, I also do dip powder, which is very popular. It adds a little bit of strength to your nails. Um, that would be 40 And then... Um, Artwork is totally dependent. I can do full sets at events and things like that. It can be hard just because of time constraints and things like that. But if you do want a full set, I do gel as well. And that would be start, uh, starting at 70 for like extensions of your nails. So guys, I'm talking to the, I'm talking to the imaginary <laughs> 400 people that are going to watch this, right? Gentlemen, think about this. You wake up, well, the night before an op because nobody ever tells their wives or girlfriends what they're doing the next day. And they're like, oh, that's right. I'm going to be gone for 12 hours. Bye. You look at your wife or your girlfriend and you say, hey. Or mom. Or mom. I did something for you. Yes, I'm going to play airsoft, but you're coming along. And they're going to be like, what? I don't even know why. You never tell me anything. You're like, ah, 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 ah. you do this. Shh. You're like, I got something for you too. Go get your nails did. <laughs> And then, boom, you're instantly out of hot water. You go play airsoft. She gets her nails did, loves you for the rest of your life. Uh, (laughs) Bob's your uncle. Happily ever after. Absolutely. We also have good snacks. You know, Barbara will have great snacks. We have hang out, have a good time, get get your nails done. That's right. Get your nails did. Get your nails did. We just need a hair salon next. And it's like one-stop shop. Yeah. Call Aurora. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'll build as many of those little cubicles as possible. We'll get the Zulu trailer park going, man. Actually, that is my plan. Um, going forward, I'm um, making moves to getting an actual uh, cargo trailer, and I'm going to be converting it into a mobile a nail salon on wheels. Uh, there's got to be like a, a clever like pun with words like the the ambulance, but you work in the word nail or something like <laughs> I don't know. My brain's not. My the, brain's the nail violence. Well, like the Burr. the manicure. <laughs> like if you buy. Oh, Dave! Why, you like, always have gold. I'm dude. telling you, it's just I'm just so great. I can't yeah. help it. So the salonist, or like the the unit itself, actually, I was planning on calling the dragon's hoard because it will be where I'm hoarding all of my shiny things. Um, I feel like you can do better with that. All right. Well, help like me out then. Help such, me. such a weed. You know, it's you see my shirt. It's my little logo it's a, guy. It's yeah. a little dragon. Got a little dragons are they, they? They cross cultures. They, they do. do. Really every they do. every single every culture, culture has yeah. a dragon. Absolutely. You know. So you know they've got claws. So some good marketing advice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you think of ev- pretty much every single fandom, has a dragon. Uh, yeah, sort. I mean yeah, it's yeah. ubiquitous across the board. I yeah, mean, everything. Yeah. Every culture has a dragon, so. so so but like so like back like 
you do like collabs all the time with like different like different nerdy fandoms. Yeah. Um so there's a lot of like art collabs that you can um participate in online, you know, in different nail blogs and things like that. And I've done like anime ones. Um You just did a Lord of the Rings set for I Magic did. the Gathering. I did a Lord of the Rings set for the um Magic the Gathering um new card drop. That was really fun. Um I did for my sister and my from on myself as well. Um yeah, so I do all kinds of nerdy stuff. It's a lot of fun. Sounds like it. <laughs> I know it's not necessarily your thing, except for MSWs. Um, Wait, it's all nerdy. We're all nerds. Yeah. Exactly. This we're is airsoft. Everybody forty k. It's like, like we we do airsoft stuff, and we all got our own crazy nerd stuff. Absolutely. The, the last. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. The last op that I played, I literally painted my nails camouflage, and it was so much fun. <laughs> and like, even guys were walking up to me and be like, "What?" And they're like, where did you get that done? I'm like, oh, I did it. And they're like, what? <laughs> There's so much fun you can have with it. I know it's, you know, especially as guys, like it's not something that you really think about, but it's just, it's just fun. Well, so um, <clears throat> we were going to go down to Op Million Dollar Hair in Mississippi. It's Milson Wesson in Mississippi. Uh, we went down to New Orleans and all that stuff. But the night before I was supposed to leave, I fell asleep on the couch. <laughs> Well, I woke up and my toenails were painted because <laughs> Katrina painted my toenails in my sleep. <laughs> and I was like, ah, whatever. They're my toenails. Who cares, right? No we one's going to notice. Yeah. We went down there, played the event. It was one of the best Milson West we've ever been to. And then that became the tradition. Like before any Milson West, uh, I was like, we got to keep it going. And just, she has to paint my my toes and everything. She does cam- she's the same thing, camouflage and all that stuff. But uh, I remember one, uh, I don't think it was the first one. The first one. I wasn't like actively hiding it because I don't care, uh, but I just no one ever saw it. I, I can't remember. It was like like two Milson West later, somebody was just like, "Bro, why are your toenails painted?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, you didn't know about this?" Like, yeah, like like two ops ago. A little superstition. <laughs> yeah, man, you got to keep it going. You got to have fun with it. You know, yeah. like if you have something like airsoft that like brings you joy and passion, do it. For me. That's nail. I mean, I do enjoy airsoft and other stuff and like stuff like that too. But it's it's something that it's like it's my me time, and it's just my passion. Um, and I know a lot of women feel the same Dave, way, and let, guys too. Let me tell you, Ben, it's awesome because I could just like she's like, hey, let's. I'm like, honey, why don't you go do your nails tonight? She's like, oh yeah, and I'm like, ha, oh, video games with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> you just bought yourself two hours, <laughs> yeah. three, four hours. Sometimes. Depending on what I'm doing, if I'm doing like a really crazy like character nail art that I'm like hand painting, that can take a lot of time. <laughs> sure but yeah so i'll be set up at zulu and if it goes well um this is absolutely something that we want to continue um you know we see so many people at the field just waiting on players and it'd be nice to give them something to do and um have some fun as well in the meantime and maybe also attract more women to the field um you know out there there's not a lot of girls and there are some definitely we do have uh, female players and it's great and i know a lot of us you know we've talked we have a good time and stuff like that um, so it'd be nice to attract more females and, you know, make sure that they know that they're safe and welcome and, and that they'll be comfortable with us here. Right on, right on, right on. Well, where can we get a hold of you at, at your new business? Oh, um, so right now I have an Instagram. Um, it's Dragon Claws on Instagram with a Z, Dragon underscore Claws. Um, and you can DM me if you're interested. Um, I am based in Newburgh, um, but I do travel and I can come to you. And if you have a party or something like that, um, you could totally like book me for a day and do like a 
birthday party, bridal shower, bachelorette party, whatever you want to do. Um, that would totally be something that we could arrange and have a good time. Uh, do you have a phone number set up or is everything goes through the... Right now, everything's through the Instagram page. Um, yeah. Just DMs. Yeah, just DMs for now. DMs. You're going to have people slide into your wife's DMs, dude. Whatever. Mine are dry as a bone, just full of the boys. <laughs> <laughs> I know who my competition is. She does. If we're out to dinner and she's like, Evan... I, I swear to God, if you get off that group chat with the boys, I swear to God. I'm like, I will text the other wives and girlfriends to be like, hey, tell your man to leave my man's alone. We are on a date. He's mine. I'm just looking at the top of his head. <laughs> Down on his phone. That's what she said. That brings up a good point, yeah. right? So, so you guys have been together forever. Yeah. What's your advice to couples right now? Oh, communication, 100%. Yeah. Well, sure. Talk. Yeah, but that's the boring one. What's, no, the, it, what's the real one? It sounds crazy, but like, it's not just like, it's legitimately talking to each other. Like, you know, not going out and spending thousands of dollars without telling your partner, not deciding to drive, you know, to DC to rescue the boys who can't get home when, when their flights are canceled. Um, just like talk to each other, tell each other everything. Tell me how your day was. Even the monotonous stuff, like how you're feeling when you're stressed, when you're tired, when you need something of them. Like don't expect them to know what you need unless you communicate that to them. And that goes both ways, ladies. Both ways, 100%. ladies. <laughs> yeah, it does. So, we, we are dumb. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. We do not pick up on subtle hints at all. Yeah. I would say like <laughs> – No, two, not at all. Yeah. No. Literally not at all. No, like you could literally show up like a sign in front of you like, I can't read. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And like I – you can't really get mad at somebody for not doing something that you want them to do if they don't know that you want them to do that. And if you tell – you know, explain that, hey, I need this of you. And then they don't do it, then you can absolutely be mad at them and have a conversation like, hey, you're falling short. But if you if they don't know your expectations, it's really unfair. So I, I have like two things. Like one is I know it's as corny as it sounds, but like love languages is a huge thing. Yeah. You really need to find out like what each other's love languages is. And it wasn't until like a couple of years ago <laughs> that we really figured it out. Like mine's like gift giving. Yeah, that was something you know? that I really struggled with. And she sucks at giving gifts. Oh, I'm the like, worst. You know, whatever. And then I would say the number, the t second biggest thing is like, it's kind of weird, but like, don't be afraid to be weird with your partner. Yeah. Let them see like the weird side of you. Like me and her, like across the, like the store will crab, <laughs> like, just like, like in front of you, like, like, like walk all funny and weird and for like it, through a public place, but I don't give a damn. Like yeah. it's. You're not impressing anybody else, but you do need to be completely yourself with your yeah. partner. For sure. So. A funny story regarding airsoft and us. So remember uh, the um, the FTX that we did back in twenty broadsword. Yeah, broadsword. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we that had like just good. gotten married, or is it like a couple months after we'd been married? Like maybe six months. Oh God. So we, we uh, were checking players in because we were on the op four. We were both working actually we were, side by side. I was doing check in and he was doing chrono. We were literally working out of the back of our truck. That literally we had the just bed of the truck together, we were using as a table. Driving from the house that we had just bought together. <laughs> We'd been married for six months no, together for 11 years at that point. And uh, so I'm checking players in and we had literally just gotten married. Like he's not kidding. It was, it was like a couple months and I really wasn't used to saying husband yet. And <laughs> I, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Mm -mm. Oh, keep going. So <laughs> I, I, um, I got it. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm checking the waivers, doing the check-ins, everything like that. And then it, I had to direct the players to go to Evan to get chronoed. And I just completely fumbled over my words. And I like 
didn't know. I just like froze and I was like, yeah, so you're going to step on over here to my uh, uh, very good friend, Evan, um, and he'll chrono you. And he stopped, literally dropped the chrono onto the, my tailgate. It was like. It wasn't just me. It was like everybody. Edgar, Alex, oh, Joe. Everybody everyone was like, what the fuck? What did you just say? Like, like, like my special friend, like you not just, <laughs> yes, like you don't own a house, a car, friend. you're married. You've been, like, yeah. You yeah. literally looked at me and you were like, special. You're my wife. <laughs> like, I, t- I think I took my ring off. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I guess I'm not your, I'm just not your special friend. Like, <laughs> no, my good. very good friend. Oh, very good friend. Yeah. Excuse yeah. me. It's not even yeah. special. Yeah. Very yeah. Very yeah. Very my very good friend right here. Hey, can you come over and just let this asshole crony you real quick? <laughs> they will not let me live this no down. never like people have imaginary, it's been three years yeah, people have imaginary friends that are very good friends like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean yes oh, yeah no. I just completely God. fumbled over my words um, it was awesome the rest of the day that's ammunition for years oh, oh years are you kidding I've never been let her live that down it's you're been like, three years you're like uh, hey Becca I'm gonna go to this event um, tomorrow and she's like wait what and you're like very good friend <laughs> Like, hey, I'm going to rescue the boys in D.C. What? Very good friend? He's a very good friend. (laughs) It's been three years. And it's not just you. It's like the rest of the refs and even some of the regular players have caught on. The players that were there. Yeah, like the players who were there and some of the regulars who have caught on to all of the other refs teasing me about this. It's it's widespread. It's good times. And I'm I'm imagining it's only going to get worse now, actually. It will never die. (laughs) It's good. The 400 people that watch this will also be in on the joke. Yeah. Uh, so the next time I do come to the field, I'm just, I swear probably every player is just going to walk up to me and be like, Hey, that's your very good friend. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff. Oh, man. And all the new refs that all the new refs. Yeah. They don't really know me very well. I've kind of been MIA for the last well, like couple months with school. Actually, like since we hired the new guys, you were already out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I left to, to get my nail license because yeah. school is just uh, taking up too much time. Sure. She's a quitter. <laughs> She's our, she's our quitters yeah. and you're a very good friend. Yep. <laughs> so actually, Dave, I have a question for you. Yeah. So what was your, were you like reticent with hiring us? What does reticent mean? <laughs> I'm, I'm dumb. So, <laughs> sorry, no, it's okay. I, I am too. That was my toilet paper word of the day. Um, no, so like, uh, I, I know, I think I know what you it mean means. Apprehensive? Like, were you apprehensive? would be like, all right, I hired this guy, Evan. He seems to be an okay ref, but his wife is here. Should I hire her too? So I remember this actually. You were. Yes. Uh, was Mario still there with us? He no. was on his way out okay. when I came in. So, uh, yes and no, right? So, a couple different reasons. Um, like, a couple females have tried to work for us before in the past, and uh, it just didn't work out. Um, and I don't want to get too much of the backstory. It's not who you're thinking of. It's this is way before you guys' time, um, and it, it it would it complicated things for dumb reasons. It complicated things that they had complicated lives and like they were bringing that shit to the field and it was like bad. So that's what I was worried about primarily was like well also backstory. Uh, I won't say his name. Um, one of the staff working at the time uh, was going through a rough breakup. And so there were times where he Is he just, still staff? No. Okay. He was screaming into his phone, like walking around the staging area, screaming into his phone. And and I was like, hey, person, um, that's not how it's supposed to be. And also can't have that at my field, right? And everybody has good days and bad. Of course. So, so when you hire a couple, it's like, 
is it a good day or a bad <laughs> day? Like, here we go. Uh, and you guys have been great, and we've never had an issue. And actually, your days never really overlapped too much. We did work together we sometimes. Like twice. Yeah. Not all the time, but sometimes, yeah. yeah. Uh, however, with you behind the register, I did notice a sharp increase in BB sales. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I feel like I'm just a little more friendly to the guys at the register. I'm like, hey, guys, how you doing? You know, what's going on today? And, you know, in a friendly, pleasant, bubbly voice. And You're also a girl. <laughs> Dude, the funniest thing. And, and so when she, Yeah, I'll buy BBs. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure, I'll buy BBs. <laughs> yeah. so, so when she was, like, checking um, uh, waivers... Uh, it was funny to see the Aww. lengths of what guy, like how guys would start a conversation with her. <laughs> like, and nine times out of ten, is your nails. Like, oh, those you are, taught me about that actually. Those are cool nails, and it, it kept just happening and happening all the time. And, and I got so excited as somebody who does nails. Like all these guys, like. We're complimenting my nails. And finally, I was like, I said something to Dave. And I was like, oh, my God. I got like three compliments on my nails today. Like, that's so fun. The that's most, awesome. The most innocent pure soul. I was pure so soul. excited. And then he informed me that that was not necessarily the case. Yeah. That they were checking for a ring. And by telling me that my nails were nice, it made me present my hands so they could see whether or not I had a ring on. And I was so depressed that day. When you ruined that for me, I thought that like... I was just doing a great job. Dave, she came home really upset. Like, <laughs> um, it, was, it, was, it was hilarious. I was laughing my ass off. Yeah, oh darn. Six dudes think I'm I'm cute and they want to fucking talk to me, but they don't yeah, know right. how because I'm so much better than them. Oh, Meanwhile, right. like <laughs> dudes will remember the one time a girl complimented them from yeah. like nine years ago. Like that's what's kept them going. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, but no, it's always been good. And like players have always been like good with me and everything like that. Sometimes they might have a difficult time talking to me. Um, <laughs> My favorite is the grenade spoon. Do you remember that day? Oh, I do. So the night before we were doing practicing throwing R2Bs <laughs> through the Connex window, we're walking on the field to play full field conquest. And we are like, I was walking people. right behind you. Yeah. There's like 25 people between us and this kid. This kid finds the spoon to the RP or the R2B that we threw the night before. Yeah. Runs past all of them just to her to go, excuse me, I think you dropped this. I just turn around and go, dude, that's, that's literally garbage. You can throw that out. And he's like, but I saw, I saw her drop it. I'm like, I threw that last night. She didn't drop that. She didn't drop. And he was so upset. And I feel bad too. Cause like, you know, it's like they're genuinely nice guys just trying to say hi. And like, I get it. Um, there's not a lot of girls at the field. Um, do you, do you heard it here first. What Becca's trying to say is that when she's at the field, all the guys come up and pra- no. practice talking to her. <laughs> no. Um. Shit, charge them 10 bucks. <laughs> You're like, hey, throw your best stuff at me. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you get a little scorecard. You're just like, eh, you need to work on that. <laughs> get back in line, another $10. No, but no, I mean, we're just people too. Like, you know, just because we're female doesn't mean we're not like people. Like, you can come talk to us. It's no big deal. Um, it's like when a girl, like when you join like a multiplayer lobby and like the girl chimes in, it's like, hey guys. And you're like, shut the fuck up, female. Like, oh my God. Oh, there's a girl. There's a girl. It is actually kind of sad as a, like as a female, like with, you know, I play RS often. There's a lot of guys typically around, like, you know, your guy friends will come around and things like that. So I'm used to, you know, a bunch of guys around and it doesn't really impact, you know, like it's normal. And um, I was actually out with a friend at the bar and this guy had come up to us and she was like, oh, hey, actually it was your sister. It was with your sister. Um, and she, he was like, oh, hey, like my buddy is really shy. Like, would you mind talking to him? And my sister-in-law was like, oh, um, like 
I'm actually seeing somebody and she's my sister-in-law. Um, but like we could be friends. Like we can still talk and treat you like human beings. And we ended up like hanging out with them for probably like 10, 20 minutes or whatever. And the guy like came out of his shell so much and he came back up later. And he was like, thank you for actually treating me like a human and like talking to me. And I was like, you're good. Like we could, it's no big deal. Like I, I you can talk. It's well, okay. it, it's uh, <laughs> it's difficult, uh, especially for guys, right? Because uh, stigmas and all this stuff, and and you know, girls kind of run that. They have a monopoly on the dating game, right? So it's it's kind of up to the dudes to like come up and and say something witty and funny and break the ice and all this stuff. So it's really difficult to uh, to get that started. So it's kind of cool that you guys were human beings about it, and and not be like. You know, oh no, I'm married. Yeah, like this. <laughs> yeah, the, the I see, th- yeah. See you next Tuesdays. That sometimes people can be. I think that's partly why I like tripped over my words so much that day at the op. Um, because I've had an experience where, like, if I mention that I'm married in the beginning of a conversation, it's automatically taken negatively because that happens to guys so much. Where yeah. girls will be like, Ugh, "Ew, I'm taken," and I really don't want to come across that way, especially not to our player base. Like, I want to be approachable and friendly and everything like that. Like, I'm working. Like, I don't want you to be afraid to, you know, come up to me if you have an issue or something like that. And so I really just completely word vomited because I like. I don't want to come across in that negative. Um, it's a nice try. It was a nice try to recover. <laughs> Give you points for that. But uh, I will never let you live it down. I think we should make um, t-shirts, actually. Oh, we 100% should. <laughs> very good friend. <laughs> Do the 24 hours up. A very good friend. Oh, um, good friend. <laughs> but no, I think it's important, like especially like, you know, guys and girlfriends to be able to come together and like just treat other people like human beings and decent, you know. Isn't that wild? It's it's so sad that that's such a hard it's, thing. It's like crazy, and I understand. And I understand from the female perspective too. Like a lot of girls are complete, like just tired of the guys who are trying to take advantage of them or going over the top and things like that. But the vast majority of guys aren't that way. And I don't know. I believe in just treating people. I believe in a thing called love. I've also been off the market, like always. I don't think I've ever really officially been on the market, so I don't really understand the dating scene. Um, and I think I'm coming at, I'm looking at things from a place of comfort and, um, you know, not having that experience so much. Cause if I am, you know, out at the bar or something like that, it's either like with my friends or like with you and your friends. So I don't really have those negative interactions as much. Well, so for all the listeners that are going to stand in line to throw their best lines at you, <laughs> oh, <God>. what, <laughs> what, when, and what bars do you hang out at? Um, oh, every couple of months, well. I show my face um, just to let my friends who do go out know that I'm in fact not dead because um, I am quite a hermit. Um, we are that old married couple that you know goes home and hangs out on our couch and watches TV and stuff like and that. And plays video games. And plays video games together and, and whatnot. I think uh, I think COVID had a lot to do with that for everybody. Yeah. We, we all realized we don't need to go outside that much. Yeah. and <laughs> like, But you should. You should absolutely. Should. I mean, yeah. Like, and when we do go out, like, you know, we'll go out to the bars and stuff like that sometimes. But most of the time, yeah. you know, we'll go meet our friends <laughs> at the field or we'll go, you know, do something as opposed to just sitting in a nightclub you know what man we haven't even touched on this and it just dawned on me what you have a furry child we do we have honey bear uh honey badger and you know honey buns she has a lot of names the bun the bun she's at the field often 
Um, her, and her doggles and tactical vest. And her oh, and her man. new Crocs that she and got recently. Crocs, yes. That's that's been a new found thing. The dog, um, dog wearing Crocs. So yeah, she she comes to the field with us a lot, and she loves people, but she's a f- terrified of other dogs, so it's yeah. hard to bring her out sometimes. So because you know we are at the field all the time, she comes with us sometimes, and the turf. Uh, in staging actually tears her paws up and so like all the stone around she's really sensitive paws she's an old lady i don't know um and so we ended up getting crocs for her because i was tired of bringing her to the vet all the time in pain um and spending a lot of money at the vet on her paws so her poor piggies her poor piggies so how, dog, how old is she she's about 13 we're not entirely sure she was a rescue and she's got her own instagram as well she does Shut the honeyest of buns the honeyest of buns. Yeah, I'm not super active on it because I suck. Um, is it the honeyest of buns? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it oh is. Boy. I, yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just wanting to get like the, uh, like the underscore. Yeah, the spelling. Oh, underscore yeah. all that stuff. Um, it's the underscore honeyest underscore of underscore buns. Yeah. Um, she is like the mascot of the field. Sometimes I swear, like. She, if I go, like, especially now, like, that I'm not working there anymore, like, I'll go and, like, bring up and, like, lunch or just come hang out and see if we're doing anything after work, and I'll have her with me. And if I don't have her with me, everybody's like, hey, where's Honey? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they don't oh. know your name. They no, they don't. Name. They don't. And that's fine. I don't I don't mind that. Um, she's, she's, she's the star of the family. They'll know your name now. And remember, you can stand in line, pay her 10 bucks, and see the rest of it. Oh, I'll, I'll be there to collect the $10, and I'll, I will wish you luck. <laughs> All right. Look, no. <laughs> Godspeed. Godspeed, my brave little toaster. <laughs> girls are people too. Just treat us like people. Okay. Becca, 2024. Girls are people too. Oh boy. <laughs> oh man. It's funny actually. A lot of our a lot of your I can't talk today. A lot of your friends in the beginning like struggled to like be able to carry a conversation. One of my very good friends. <laughs> Joe, uh, shout out to Joe. Uh, he comes and plays at the field a lot. He's gonna hate the fact that I. I, I yeah, I'm you, you could have just said Joe. Yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout him out. Um, a tactic that I had to get him used to her is I would have Alex sit in the front seat and shove her and Joe in the back seat of my Subaru. Mm. Exposure well, we, therapy, like exposure therapy, okay. and like or what was it? I remember we were camping. It's not working. <laughs> no, no, it does work. It does actually. So, he he's good with me now. Yeah. So like I remember we were camping upstate and I had to run to the uh, I had to get like groceries or something at Hannaford's, and Becca's like, oh, "Let me go with you." I'm like, no, you're gonna stay here with Joe. <laughs> And, and you're going to make out. him talk to you. I'm going to make him talk to you. And I'm going to go to the store with Alex. And like <laughs> Becca's, the way Becca tells it, she's like, she's like, yeah, like we sat in awkward silence for like five minutes. And then like. I just started talking. Yeah. I was like, you're just going to, if really you don't want to talk to me, that's fine. You're just going to listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> but now, but now like Joe, like they get along and it's, yeah. it's funny. It's He's great. Like, so that's right. You guys have a cabin in the woods, like the scary movie people. Yes. So, well, actually well, it's not does. ours. It's Joe's grandfather's it's, yeah, that yeah. we go up to and he, he, it's up near like Cairo. We go up there like once or twice a year. It's yeah. cool. Edgar's been up there. Yeah. It's a good time. We played board games up there sometimes. Oh, okay. You want to get into board games, buddy? No, I don't. Oh, come on. It, I, There's it's, really not much it's late. Say. I really want to play Twilight Imperium again, please. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but yeah, <laughs> anyway. no, it's a good time. Oh. Going back to the, the main topic here, oh, you know, guys talking and gir- to girls. Okay. There's a lot of that, right? There's a lot of fear in that. It's like, there is. It's a two-way street. Remember that. Yeah, it know? is. 
Sometimes a lot girls... of guys take that all on their own, right? They're just like, oh, shit, what do I do? I can't say, yeah, I don't want to embarrass myself. It's like... Treat be... them like a person and just have a conversation. Just talk. Just talk. Just talk. No, but the internet has taught us that we have to come up with a single witty comment. Uh, Pick up lines. Death of society. I mean, I can't really speak to that because, again, I, I've never yeah, done like, online dating. You were like in quarantine for all your, your dating life. It was like... <laughs> Evan yeah. was like, no, none shall pass. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, because it was, what was it? She went to a totally different school. So there was totally guys hitting on you all the time. No. Y- yes. And she just didn't Joe? realize it. Chris? No. Oh, yes. here go. Oh, we're going to get some. Oh, drama <laughs> we're going to get a little bit more out yeah, of here. Becca, 100%. Both of the. Come on. Come on. Just squeeze the, it out. Yeah. I re- it really. It's, okay. Also, bring it out. two guy friends, not all the time for sure. Um, Listen, don't don't even don't even start with me. Yeah. Let me let me tell you a little secret, right? Something okay. I've learned on my thirty nine years of this this earth, right? You're old. I am. Old. Oh my god. <laughs> I am. I, am. I it just slipped out. I'm sorry. I am. When I get up, both my knees crack, like every time. Relatable. Same. So, is that a military thing? It was a high. I had a pain in my. It's neck. also an it's athlete thing because my knees are shot from sports. So here's my my observation, right? Also, my cousin. This was like his game plan. Um, guys and girls, and you both are going to be like, no, no oh boy. way. Guys and girls are not friends. They're just not. Okay. Guys have an agenda. Okay. Girls think they're friends with the guy. Okay. They're not. I I disagree. Like, I know you were going to disagree because I know that you have a female friend that's like I your have, best friend, right? I have several, like, actually. So this, I have more female friends than guy friends. Might want to look into that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, but it was, I had a female best man at our wedding. Yeah, a best woman. A best yeah. woman. There you go. And actually, one of my guy friends was a bridesmaid at my in our wedding too. So I know the com- I can feel the comments just like, like oh, you can't. Remember yes, we you can. remember yes, we said can. anomaly in the beginning of this whole thing. Yeah, right. Don't we're weird. Sorry. So, so it not was, usual. It was my cousin's <laughs> game plan. I watched him do this. You know, uh, throughout high school, I watched him do this. He was like friend zoned by all his friends that were girls but he would tell me he's like just a matter of time just a matter of time uh, just a matter of time yeah. and he succeeded like he he like broke out of the friend zone mold because he just hung in there long enough and what talk, a unicorn i'm talking about years wow. no, you're the unicorn right? <laughs> guys he don't said- like shoe shopping you know what i mean and i, and I know i'm stereotyping and putting I shouldn't do that. We're gonna get canceled. Never mind. I'm old and senile. Don't listen to me. So, so like, well, uh, it, the dating. Scene. We talked about the dating scene briefly. I don't want to go too far into this, but um, there is a point in time where, as a, if you're a dude doing this friend zone thing, it's it's not worth your energy. No, it really isn't. When I got out of a terrible relationship in the dating scene, I was like this. It, going on it, like I wasn't going on a million dates but like I would go on a date find one thing that I'm just like red flag done bye <laughs> yeah. that's well, it ruthless Dude. it's j- j- bye once you learn those lessons and you see those yeah. notes you're like I will never deal with that again no like, and you shouldn't like deadly. done I think you know people get unhappy because they stay in mediocrity instead of finding happiness and like it's important to be happy like for sure it's like and and you can kind of tell too you're like uh do i dread going home 
Mm. That's a big thing. That's a huge thing. If the answer is yes, then eh, you may want to reconsider it. If the answer is no, and like that's my rest space. I mean, for for example, me, uh, I love going home. It's where I get to rest, and and I, I'm not bombarded with bullshit. And you know, now we have Ashton and Cameron's there, and obviously Katrina's there, and like like it's fun. You have a happy family. I yeah. do. Yeah. Go home, cook dinner, listen to listen to a podcast. And, yeah, dude. Yeah. It's like so, yeah, so like it's more fun I, than I, that. I, fi- I figured yeah, out. Yeah, like I look a, forward to going home. I figured out like a good analogy for us. It's like we're like for all the nerds out there, we're like a Minecraft world where like if you look down, there's diamonds. I'm sorry, it's just the seed that I was just plopped into. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, don't you? Don't you? <laughs> That's why. Right. Yeah, right. Thanks, Jordan. Love you too, baby. You found it that fast. I found it that fast. Very young. He said, "Ooh, this one's the challenge is gone." Yeah, no. Well, this is easy. He was like, like, that one's everybody a, bitching about. He's like, that's a good one. I'm just going to lock this down you know? yeah, right. now. Um, but yeah, dude, it's like, yeah, man, it's it's a very interesting life that we live. But um, have you guys ever played Airsoft on the same? I don't know if you guys Oh, yeah. Have. Oh, yeah. We, oh, played, together. we played together. Yeah. I actually was hesitant to get started playing because I felt bad because of the fact that we do so much together. I was like, yeah. you you deserve guy time. Like, you're allowed to have friends with your, oh, you know, man. time with your guy friends. Like, I don't have to go. And, like, once in a while, you know, I would I would come play. and I, But I was still hesitant. He'd be like, oh, let's go play. And I was like, oh, it's your guy time friend. Like, yeah. you know, your guy friend. You know what I mean? So tell me about a time when you let her get killed in the airsoft field. <laughs> so, here, so here's this. So oh, another thing that, that's kind of di- that's kind of weird is, like, when we go to play airsoft, we have two completely different play styles. Yeah. Oh, 100%. She will find a tree, sit underneath a tree, and blend into that tree and just shoot people as they come by. It's hilarious. It's like DPM works really well. DPM works really well. Our and, friends and who she's small. Yeah. Um, Almost like a trap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I have actually heard like some of our friends on the field with us who knew exactly what camo I was wearing that day, which because I only ever wear DPM pretty much. Um, like I was literally in a bush and they walked right past me to him and was like, oh, hey, where's Becca? And he was like, she's right there. <laughs> and they were like, what? Because I just, I'm, I'm compact. Meanwhile, like, I'm super aggressive. Like, you just like the rest sprint. Of the like I don't, I, I'm not one of those sprinters anymore. No, but, but like, your so, your legs are so long. Like <laughs> I cannot keep up with you, yeah, and like, I stopped trying. And that's when I really developed like my own style. So uh, I played airsoft with Evan one time at night. It was a night game. Oh Jesus! Uh, <laughs> it's to this day that this is still Alex's fault. Antithesis. Let's let, let, let's be the judge if this is Alex's <laughs> fault, right? We'll put the story out there and we can all decide. <laughs> Whose fault is it? Vote so, in the comments. I don't remember what game it was playing. It was Grimnir. Was it the Grimnir? Yeah, oh, Grimnir. Grimnir it was Anthropos. Anthropos won. We all went out. This is when I was doing the radio with with them. And everybody was just yeah. like, shut up. And I was just like, okay, yeah. okay go on. Go so on, go on. <laughs> we had managed to slip in through the darkness, get oh, up yeah. to the moss compound. Oh, that was, was and so it sexy. Was full of bad guys, <laughs> right? And we're, and I'm at the front of the stack with uh, Eric. And uh, we both, like, like in a freaking movie, we both like peer around this corner nice and slow. And we see... <laughs> Backs, asses, and elbows. These guys have no idea we're here. And there's like 12 of us stacked up on this fence. And so I leaned back to be like, hey, as quietly as I could, like, there's a bunch of bad guys here. And when we go, everybody go flood through and kill everything (laughs) in front of you. And as I'm like trying to convey this via hand and arm signals and like, like whispering, I hear Evan. 
Evan, what do you say out loud at a yelling tone? So, all right. So, I'm at the back of this stack with Alex. And I see Alex turn and see, like, the light. Because Grimnir has, like, these uh, light-up respawn points. And it's our color. He didn't play during the day. I think he worked during the day. I played during the day. And I knew, like, it was flipped to our color. He goes to start trudging through the fucking woods. Like, (laughs) I'm like, Alex, we have that point. Come back. Because he could, I, at first I was like, Alex, Alex, come back. And he just, and at that point I was like, Alex, we have the point, come back. And then Dave was like, then like, I heard you guys go and I was like, oh, fuck. Well, because I'm communicating and then I hear Alex at that, t- Alex, 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 Alex. I said it Alex. Like twice. I said it twice. Alex, <laughs> Alex, maybe he can't hear me. Let me yell louder. <laughs> Alex. I said it twice dude so so when i hear that my bl- my blood boils and then um uh vandervars looks at me and, it, and we're both like do it gotta go. Go. go so we just go around the corner go. and and um we killed a couple guys but like they were turning around as we were coming around the corner so the the surprise was lost and uh i think we all died actually i think no no we killed them all and then because then we went went through there killed every single one got to fuel depot oh, that's right that's and right. i was like man that was fucking awesome and dave i think that was the angriest i've ever seen you ever <laughs> and i've known you for like six years that was the angriest i've ever seen you you almost grabbed me by the scruff of my neck and you're like if you don't shut the fuck up next time <laughs> yeah. i swear to god evan i will kill you myself <laughs> and like, i was like and then alex being the asshole that he is because he likes to get in on like weird like like if he sees somebody bully, being bullied he's like oh i gotta get in on this i have to i have to get in on it it's his like weird thing so he's like and he's like yeah evan i was like alex i will shoot you in the fucking face this is all on you because you went to go trudge through the, and then you're like let him die next time and i was yeah, like, I was like oh, okay well, he was that? making a ton of noise going through the fucking woods yeah but what does somebody sound like walking through the woods <laughs> Everybody sounds like that. Everybody I spit all over this mic. That's all right. So sorry. They could be a deer. This they is your. This is your loadmaster brain. Yeah. yeah this isn't I, yeah, like. I oh, am, he's he's making noise. You're I am thinking. Not stop a making noise. You're not thinking like. Oh, what are they going to be thinking? Ask me how many times I've shot a gun in the military. Somebody's going to be doing that. Well, it's not. That's not a factor. Yeah. I, mean, it, I, I, I just bring it up because it was kind of funny. Yeah, I was mad at, at the time, but the maddest I've ever seen you at me. Like I've seen <laughs> you really mad, but like, the, like I make a point that, like, in my life, it's like a weird tip. Is like I cannot upset anybody. I cannot ruin any friend because I had I had no friends growing up, like none, and I was bullied constantly until like I got to like but you tenth did. grade. But you did upset somebody. Yeah, I know. <laughs> See, that's the thing. But you did. Like, dude, I, I I thought about that for a week afterwards, dude. <laughs> no, it, dude, it's that, yep. that's like the thing is like I I was terrified of upsetting people at a certain point of my life. You yeah. know what I learned? What? Shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't do shit. No, see, no, now, now I, no, dude, like, I, I don't know what shut the fuck up is. I have dude, I, I was like, I could not, it like didn't compute in my head. I was like, what is so important right now? And that was just after we had gotten done, uh, what was it? We like it, it was like the moment right before that you were just high fiving me because you and me basically cleared mosque yeah. under nods and they had no fucking idea. It yeah. was awesome. Yeah. And then we go up to the mosque. I fuck up and like you were like ready to cut my head off. And I was like, Oh no, no, you're talking about Connex. Connex, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. like right before that we had cleared Connex under nods. We came behind them and they're like, Dude. there was dudes without nods on top of Connex, and they were like, Who is that? And we were like, 
didn't say a fucking word. And oh, we're like, man. Like, moving up, moving up, moving up. Oh. And then, uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. He's wrecking the place. Yeah, I am. I'm wrecking the place. And, like, we move up, move up, move up. And, uh, and like, they're like, who's that? And we're like, nope. And then just cleared the whole thing. Yeah. It yeah. was it was a pretty sexy move, dude. Yeah, we it was. we went a very long distance very fast. Yeah. And we even got even with all that bullshit oh, yeah. in the middle. Like Oh yeah. So I mean, I don't want to tutor on horns or anything, but it was fun. So, was that well, 19 was County or 16 County? So it was like 60 <laughs> County Super Bank. But was, uh, some of the guys were just like, Holy cow, are you guys in the military or stuff? I was like, Yeah, a couple of us are. I was like, but it doesn't count. Actually, I think it was Maxim Grimnier was just like, Yeah, you guys wrecked those people. And I was like, it doesn't count. We have A, all of us have night vision. B, all of us use our night vision fairly frequently, so we're pretty competent in terms of like traversing. C, we have like cheating levels of map knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. We know where the sticks are. You know what I mean? So, uh, like, like, we've played. It's we, not fair. No, it's <laughs> I mean, it, it'd be like going through a kill house multiple times and then being like, hey, they invaded. The kill house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, I know exactly where every single person is. And they only stand in corners. Yeah. You know? <laughs> even the objectives, too. Like, you know, if there's players who aren't as used to the field or who have even never been to the field, like, you tell them where their respawn is, and they have no idea where that is. But where's How- Dirty Mike Shack? Yeah, like, you know, we have so many, you know, names for things, and we don't really have a solid You know map. what would be good for that? A, a map. map. <laughs> what? <laughs> Right, Jordan? Oh. <laughs> I tried. It didn't work. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's a whole long, drawn-out story. We're not doing this on air. Ah. F in the chat. F in the chat. We tried. Put down in the comments if you'd like to hear the map story. <laughs> <laughs> it's dumb. You really don't. Yeah. Oh. oh, man. Yeah, but so, like, we made that 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 movement through the woods, right, under MVGs, not making a bunch of noise, not stepping on sticks, not doing anything, and then we managed to all be alive in a large group. I mean, there had been like 12 of us, right? At least. Oh, yeah, it was like, big. It's yeah. a great shame of mine. Yeah, and then all of a sudden. That was the only, that was the only thing that was just like, shut, like stop making noise like kind the, of thing. Uh, that was the only time. I was like, wow, that was going so smooth. And also, like, props to Nick, because Nick did not have night vision. Yeah, <laughs> he, right. followed he, us. Us. he followed us pretty much almost all the way to Connex. He, like, through the woods... Yeah. Like yeah, all the way through, like right. got to Connex, cleared Connex with us, and he was like, "All right, guys, I gotta go home. Like, I I can't see my hand in front of my." Like, <laughs> okay, buddy. He would he would yeah. hear a shooting and then hope he was shooting. <laughs> He's yeah. a good sport. Yeah, no, Nick's great. So Absolutely. It's right. oh. um, good. Radio yeah. went off a couple times. I was just like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. trying to muffle at it. Like we were that close to people. So so my plan in my head, right, was we all filter out quietly behind because it was like four guys with their backs to us. Because they were just like, man, there's nothing going on here. And uh, I was like, man, if we all came around that fence, got online, took like eight steps forward so that we could kind of get an eye on everything else. And then all at once just opened up and like killed everybody in front of us instantly. And then like cleared it out all nice and like quiet. Like like, it's almost like video game guards coming out like, hey, did you guys hear that? (laughs) (laughs) You know, like that would be great. Like Ghost Recon Sync Shot. Yeah. Yeah. It would have, uh, I mean, it worked out anyway, but did you ruin? Listen, I'm sorry. Ruined my merchants. I'm sorry. It was good. Damn Air Force. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, what was it? I think the only MSW I've been, to, I've been with you was to Guardian Center. That was the uh, only MSW I've been with you. Yeah, that was a poopy one. Really? I had too many. Time. Too you many, lived in a subway bodies. for three days. Come on. Too many people. I almost got my hand blown off with a tag grenade. Hell yeah. Yeah. 
Too many people on that show. Yeah. But. It was a couple of days. I like the only thing I have in my memory is like maybe two, three firefights, if that. Yeah. And then us shooting from our sleeping bags. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't remember that. I was passed out. Yeah. I think grenades were <laughs> popping off next to me. I was like, I don't know. I woke up to a grenade in my face. Like, I, was, I heard tink, tink. I pulled my whoopee out and I was like, oh no, that's a tag. And I covered just in time as it went off. And I was like, <laughs> hit. Like, yeah. like, like, you got me. Yeah. Uh, uh, dead in my sleeping bag. A couple yeah. of times. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, good time. Good times. Good times. Oh, yeah. All right, guys, we've been running for about two and a half hours now, so I think it's time to wrap it up. Godspeed. Godspeed. Evan, thank you for your service. Oh, thank you for yours. And Edgar, thank you for yours as well. But oh, shut sure. up. <laughs> Surrounded by war heroes. Oh, yeah. uh, Becca, it's good to have you on. Thank you. You should come back and ref. Uh, <laughs> yes, please. Is she the first girl on the podcast? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, she's the first girl yes. on this podcast. Bang, bang, bang. I mean, you're both here at the same time, so... Ooh, got him. I, this is the only time I made fun of you this whole time, all right? You should be applauding. <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty proud of you for training. Pretty proud. Yeah, I'm sitting here like, man, when is Edgar just going to tear into me? <laughs> Even though to me, um, before when Edgar was like, should I come? Should I not come? I'm like, dude, you can sit there for two hours and make fun of Evan. He's like, you're right, I'm going to come. <laughs> <laughs> Do not come. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but, uh, no, yeah thanks for coming on, guys. No, thank uh, you for having us. Uh, where having can us. we see your nail business? Uh, Dragon Claws on Instagram. Dragon Claws on Instagram. Guys, yep. reach out there. Uh, the honeyest of buns. The yeah. honeyest of buns. Honeyest of buns. And if you want to see our 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 hero at home, Evan, you can read the uh, was it Black Rifle? It's, uh, coffee? it's Coffee or Die. Um, it's that's the like their online uh, like news article or whatever uh, and it was like i think it's like reach 824 the crew that's that kicked off the cobble airlift just type in reach 824 coffee or die and it should come right up i will link it in the comments cool there you go bing bang dope, bong dope, and as dope, always dope, dope. actually edgar thanks for being on as well hey good one i love being with you guys it's it a good time <laughs> and with that guys good night bless we're out